This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. An 11 hijacker. It will shock you. Red Apple Media is proud to celebrate 100 years as one of America's most influential radio stations and New York's first. And WLIRFM Hampton Bays. From around the world to around the block, this is a WABC 77 Second News Update. Good evening, I'm Bob Brown. A few dozen elite troops and equipment from the U.S. 82nd Airborne Division landing in southeastern Poland near the border with Ukraine. Hundreds more troops are still expected. President Biden ordering the deployment of 1,700 soldiers to Poland amid fears of a Russian invasion of Ukraine. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan on ABC's This Week says the U.S. is ready to respond to a Russian invasion, but is also prepared to take a diplomatic path. We believe that there is a very distinct possibility that Vladimir Putin will order an attack on Ukraine. Uh, It could take a number of different forms. It could happen as soon as tomorrow, or it could take some weeks yet. New York is now the largest sports betting market in America after just four weeks of taking mobile bets. An off-duty NYPD housing officer recovering after being shot in the foot, leaving a vigil at a community center in Manhattanville on Saturday afternoon. With the Super Bowl a week away, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell telling teams the league will look to bolster policies meant to encourage hiring of minorities, especially as head coaches. The commissioner also pledging an investigation into tanking allegations raised by Brian Flores in his discrimination lawsuit against the NFL. Forecast the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center tonight, partly cloudy, low 28 Monday, cloudy with some rain and snow showers high near 40. I'm Bob Brown. Remember, the news never stops at WABCRadio.com. 77 WABC. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. It is the start of a brand new week. Happy Monday. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. Hopefully you had a nice weekend. Hopefully you had a restful weekend or a fun weekend or a weekend that was uh, an opportune time to reconnect with friends and family. I'll give you some of the highlights and lowlights of my weekend over the course of the program. But I will tell you, my heart really goes out to the woman who is across the glass from me. Uh... We have a new telephone talent coordinator today, Alyssa, right? And uh, she's never screened this show before. Now, all I have to do is say that. And we have uh, Steve from Manhattan, who's the caller that uh, repeatedly says, uh, go Buchanan, go Buchanan, go. 
The guy from the Bronx who calls under a dozen different names in an attempt to bash Janine Pirro. Uh, Joe from the Bronx, who is a just virulent uh, anti-Semite white supremacist. Uh, That other guy who calls from, uh, I think, uh, either Florida or Massachusetts, who's also a virulent anti-Semite. They just it just warms their cockles that they have fresh blood to attack for the next four hours Uh, at her very first show. Now, the thing that I am hoping Alyssa can deal with is not these callers who call on five different lines with with different names, all to say the same thing. I am just hoping that those of you who are callers who are obsessed with leaving your radio on in the course of a show will not do so. And hopefully, if there's one mission that I can, you know, make sure that uh, Alyssa takes on, it's that you turn your radio off. Now, this is a very, very special program. We do this once a year. Do not expect this hour again uh, for the rest of the year 2022. We do it once a year. It is a tough show. It is a tough hour, not only for Alyssa, but for me. It's tough for many of you. In fact, if my wife is listening, turn off the radio. You will not be pleased. Because, hey, do you remember the Star Trek episode with the Archons? There's a Star Trek episode, Star Trek, the original series, first uh, the first uh, season. And the episode is called, I think it's called The Return of the Archons. It happens to be Ben Stiller's favorite episode. And... They beam down to a planet, and it's a wonderful society. Everybody's peaceful. There's all sorts of law and order. Not There's not a hair out of place. But every day, for one hour, there's something called the red hour, okay? And once the red hour emerges, things go nuts. There's violence. There's sexual assault. There's sexual deviancy. There's people just going nuts, partying. They call it festival. Festival. They just go crazy. would just go nuts for an hour every day. The rest of the time, everything was perfect, okay? And there was another uh, film, uh, a series of films, The Purge. I think it was actually inspired by that Star Trek episode. Same thing. It's a dystopian society where one night a year, all crime, including murder, is legal. And look, there are a lot of other. I think there was an episode of Sliders like this. There were some other short stories I read where this was the case. And do you remember... During the Crown Heights riots, what some people said during the Crown Heights riots, they said, don't interfere. 
Don't stop the rioters. Don't stop the looters. We need to let them vent. That was actually, and it was denied by Mayor Dinkins that he said this, but there were other reports that others in city government claimed that this was the case. Let them vent. Let them get it all out of your system. Well, my friends, if you're a listener to this program, now is the red hour. Just as the great Bob Grant, who many consider to be the greatest radio talk show host of all time, certainly the greatest talk show host on this station, just as he would do regularly, more than once a year, he would do it regularly. I can only handle this once a year. Just as he would do Get At Grant for the hour, we are doing Get At Frank. We are doing a gaff hour. G-A-F. Get at Frank. Whatever your complaints about me are, now is the time to express them. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. The only restriction that we will infringe on you is that we, you're not allowed to use profanity. That's an FCC requirement. That's not my rule. Other than that, you want to insult me? You want to insult my appearance? You want to insult my style of hosting a talk show, my abilities as an interviewer, as a storyteller, um, whatever. Opinions that I've had that are not well thought out, now's the time. Now, for those of you that don't remember Bob Grant, that never heard a gag hour, a get at Grant hour, this is sort of what it sounded like. The gag hour, which will be the last gag hour of 1988. We won't have another one until 1989, so... Those of you who are getting your looks in right now are certainly uh, taking advantage of a golden opportunity. Mike, you're on WABC. Hello. Bob, you're the most rude, egomaniac, scrotum-faced, self-serving, homo entity on the airwaves. When you got mugged, the reason the mugger ran away from you was because he saw your ugly face. I mean, you're so desperate for a woman that I heard you say Lynn Samuels and also get a new toupee, you boy. Uh, let's say hello to, uh, Ernest, uh, on the gag hour, get at Grant. Yes, Ernest? Yes, Bob Grant, I think you are the most racist, egotistical maniac on WABC. I hate you because every time you talk about black people, it's always something negative. Even when that situation at Howard Beach, you always found something negative to find about that black person that got killed on the parkway. You always found it some type of way to say that the white people were right. But see, the white people were wrong, and they were proved wrong because they got time. You always have something bad to say about Jesse Jackson. But why is it that you never invite Jesse Jackson on your show so you could tell him face to face? You even had something bad to say about Bill Cosby, but you wouldn't even invite him on your show or Mike Tyson. That's why it is that you always get stuck up and you always get beat up. I wish I could come down there. I wish you would invite me down there to punch your nose down your throat because I most definitely will do it. You get the picture, folks. 800-848-9222. We have one, two, three, four, five, six open lines. 800-848-WABC for our Get at Frank Hour. Now... Uh, I did say, because I sort of uh, insulted him a couple times on Friday and I immediately felt sort of bad, uh, I did say that the first opportunity to get at Frank, the first opportunity to gaff, would go to our normal telephone talent coordinator, although today we have Alyssa, uh, Ryan, who was call screening for Curtis today, right? You were doing Curtis? Oh, yes. 
Can we turn, uh, or you can just press on there. Yes. Uh, all right. Well, it's a good thing we don't have get at staff day, right? Uh, <laughs> but, uh, okay, so go, you were doing Curtis's show today? So I was doing Curtis's show, and I was also screening for uh, Piscopo for Sundays with Sinatra. Uh, I heard the I heard the show last night. It sounded great. All right. Uh, Ryan, oh, you since your 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 dignity has been insulted, you your uh, your pride has been hurt. We gave you the first opportunity to get at Frank, and you actually have written out some pretty detailed notes. I will shut up as you get at Frank. Thank you, Frank. And now, originally, I didn't think I was going to be in this morning, but since I was doing Curtis's show, I'm effectively bleeding over here. So, I. At first, I'm a good sport. I should mention that right now. You know, I'm a good sport. I didn't take your comments. You know, I took it to the chin. Good. But over the weekend, I decided to write a few things down. Oh, boy. So here's what I had to say. I said, good morrow, Frank. Now, I unfortunately won't be here in this morning. We said that. I admit that just the other day, I was worried that a cup of water would splash you after someone carelessly left it on one of the tables in the studio. But had I known what was about to transpire that day... I would have wished that it had splashed all over you so that you could have done the show wet. Now, and now I am patiently waiting for the day that Prometheus's family invades the studio and freezes you in carbonite like Han Solo. <laughs> He's our alien for people that don't know. <laughs> uh, now, knowing that you are a big Star Trek fan would make this all the better because denying you the satisfaction of going out in a Trekkie way would be perfect. <laughs> but... In all sincerity, I have no hard feelings for that remark. As they say, insults are the highest form of flattery. And it is always a pleasure, of course, to work with you and the other side of the Midnight Team, because I always wondered what it would be like to work with somebody who sounded like George Costanza with Maxwell oh! Sheffield's hair. <laughs> and now I know. Uh, best wishes to you, your wife, and Carmine as well. And I'm sure that they need every bit of strength having you as a husband and oh. father. <laughs> I wouldn't be too surprised if Carmine actually turns evil when he grows up. <laughs> best wishes to you, Matt, Molly, and of course, Alyssa as well. They do an incredible job, and you obviously do an incredible job every morning. And of course, good luck to the Racket Report as well. Uh, that is, this is not bad. Uh, you're done. I don't want to cut you off prematurely. Oh, oh you have, have more. A, I have okay. a PS right. here. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, uh, PS, since I worked on the weekends, that's why I'm not going to be here uh, call screening today. Uh, Vinny Madunio is waiting for your invitation to be on the show. I, I did invite him. He doesn't want to stay uh, stay up late, apparently. Well, he's a school teacher, isn't he? Uh, yeah, but so what are we supposed to do? Uh, oh, I, uh, this is when we're on. You don't want to come on? I don't want to come on. That's right. true. Well done. Uh, well done, uh, Ryan. Thank you. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow back, right? Okay, get some rest. Now, uh, that is actually not a bad recitation of the of Get At Frank. Now, the, the what we don't want is somebody to call in with a compliment under the masquerade of getting at Frank. We don't want somebody calling in and saying, oh, Frank, you know what? You're so terrific. The worst thing about you is that I can't get any sleep during your show. That's not what we want. We can do that for the other 19 hours a week, right? We want something a little tough. You know, we want, oh, Frank, you know what? Your opinions are not well thought out. Frank, you don't sound like you know what you're talking about. Frank, you talk too much about ranked choice voting. Frank, you know what? You talk too much about your personal life. Frank, you talk too much about X, Y, Z, whatever it is. Uh, those are real get at Frank calls. You could be respectful if you want, although you don't have to be. You can be very personal. You can be very, uh, you know, really, really like a kick in the gut. Or you could be subtle. You could be subtle. You know, for instance, I had the uh, I was I drove I gave Molly a ride home Friday after our, our staff meeting. And she said to me, 
Yeah, you know, we could tell you've been really tired lately. Now, what kind of thing is that to say to somebody? Now, that wasn't even in the in in the purview of the get at Frank. Now, that is that's what we call a that's a very mild insult, right? Very 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 kind of roundabout. Okay. What does that mean? You 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 sound tired. We can tell you've been tired. Please. Um Evelyn Hurley comments, Frank, you're asking for trouble. Don't let Curtis Lee call in. I'll be listening and hope not cringing. Speaking of Curtis, almost all of his show on Saturday was getting callers that were doing the Get at Frank Hour. Um, the, although they did it for four hours. They did it, you know, they, they just went on and on and on and on. One of those callers was Mike. I called up your friend Frank, and he said, uh, oh, it's open question night. Okay, fine. So I said, uh, who was the only president who died of cirrhosis of the liver? He says, "Mm." I said, "Uh, President Polk. He said, ah, I didn't ask for trivia questions. They go nowhere. So I know you always quote that phrase that he says, but he could have spoken about Polk, about the Mexican War and how he screwed things up, you know? Wow. So um, he, he got but, real ornery. Yeah. You know why he got ornery? And he had said it before. He got very little sleep. Why doesn't he just hire a nurse to take care of the kid so his wife can sleep instead of him going to Atlantic City all those times? He could have saved money with all the drinks. He told one time he had 14 drinks in a day. Oh, my God. I mean, he uh, he was risking uh, suffering from alcohol poisoning. Something like that. You could, although he would have a very, might I say, spirited debate about that. <laughs> 800-848-WABC. It is time for you to get at Frank. Let me begin with Dave in Dumont. Hello there, Dave. Hey, Frank. How's it going? Well, it depends on how the rest of this phone call goes, and then I'll be able to answer that. Okay. Well, I feel that um, you don't give me enough time to speak my mind. I think uh, sometimes you cut me off. I know you have a lot of callers because you have a very good show. But I think you cut me off, and you don't let me read any more poetry, even though I have a very good one called, Is There a Doctor in the House? It's a comical poem about doctors, and I want to read that one day. But also, my teacher in college said, Dave, I'm going to write a letter to your boss at work so you can get a promotion, because, Dave, you think analytically. You think outside the box, and you're a smart guy. And a lot of people told me, Dave, you're a smart guy. So I want you to hear me and hear my opinions because I know what I'm talking about, and I think outside the box. So the the gist of your get-at-frank uh, call, as I get it, Dave, is I cut you off too quickly and don't give you an opportunity to adequately recite poetry. Well, I know some of your callers have said we don't want to hear Dave's poetry. But you know what? Imagine the airwaves are free. Crazy. 
It's, you know, and the doctor poem is actually a very entertaining poem. Uh, We will take your word for it, Dave. Thank you. It is time to get at Frank. 800-848-9222. That's uh, 800-848-WABC. Dave is in Los Angeles. Hello, Dave. It is time for you to get at Frank. Oh, yeah, Frank, I love you, bro. You're so, you're the contemporary issues you cover, like the history of the wooden nickel and the fate of the hard rubber tire. <laughs> of course, when it comes to contemporary music, bro, you certainly got your pulse on things. Al Jolson, I know how contemporary he is for you. If you're a betting man, of course, you're very reliable. Just pick an issue, make, a t- make an opinion, and, of course, you put money on the other side. <laughs> so... Not bad, Dave. Not bad. Not bad. 800-848-WABC. Uh, that was a little lighthearted, but it doesn't have to be. It can be uh, It can be biting. That is fine. I can handle it. Uh, because it is, this, is, this is what society needs once in a while. Right? Just like in The Purge. Just like uh, what they claimed with the Crown Heights riots. I don't agree with that, by the way. Just like uh, with a roast. This is your opportunity to let all that pent-up aggression out on me. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to Howard in Elmhurst. Hello, Howard. How are you? I, uh, you talked about losing weight at the Skinny Center. I don't think you'll ever go to the Skinny Center. First of all, it's too far. And second of all, you eat. You you, you should be the president of the Fat Center. Ooh. You keep on eating and eating, talking about food, but we must sacrifice in order to lose weight. All right, so it's just it's that I'm too fat. That's your complaint. And and you'll never go to the skinny center. All right, okay, very good. 800-848-WABC. We will continue with the gaff hour. Get at Frank straight ahead. WABC. This is actually the theme song of the Or Moisha Yeshiva in Brooklyn, where they are not giving their children uh, any sort of secular education in violation of the New York State Constitution. Well, here's an opportunity for you to give me an education, or at least a talking to, at least a tongue lashing. We are doing a Get At Frank Hour. What am I doing wrong? What is terrible about me? So far, we have the fact that uh, I do not allow Dave to repeatedly do his poetry. We have the fact that I am too fat 
And we have, uh, I think those are the two big ones so far. If you want to add to it, 800-848-9222. In order to understand the exercise, let's listen to the master, the great Bob Grant. You have a real problem, but since I did say it would be a gag call, I will gag myself and go ahead and continue. You're a sick fellow. You need help. No, you're the guy who's sick. You are a frustrated talk show host. You're a sick pal. You're a frustrated talk show host, you little two-bit creep. Well, I'm not the only, th- the only thing that I can say good about you is you have a fine son. Good thing he doesn't take after you. Get off my phone, you jerk. All right, and with that, he hung up. He's finished. Uh, John, uh, you're on WABC. Would you like to get at Grant? Yeah, uh, Grant, the only thing i got to say to you is I think it's about time you threw your toupee into the ring and ran for office. The last time John called, he used the name Jerry. You bald-headed. He used the name Jerry, and he's got this fixation about toupees and all of that. It's sad. It really is. 800-848-9222. Time for you to get at Frank. Melvin is in the Bronx. Hello, Melvin. Number one is you do not take calls for your listening audience, which is why you on air. You got a severe case of diarrhea in the mouth, constantly running in the mouth, and you do not do your homework. You need to open up your archives and see and listen to the phenomenon of cause and effect. Whatever happened before is going to repeat. For those who forget the lessons of the past are doomed to repeat mistakes in the future. I'm talking about credibility, which you totally lack due to your lack of integrity. You need to grow up and listen to what's going on around it and do your homework and take more calls from your listeners so they can express their point of view. Everyone on this rock called has a point of view. Don't make them right. Don't make them wrong. But let's get down to facts. And you need to start speculating because it shows what you don't know. You can take any speculation you express on the air to any casino or racetrack in this, in this country because it shows your total lack of what you're talking about. So you need to listen to people around you who've been born before you or what's going on. I got drafted 53 years ago by the United States military for what? And you better study up on executive or 9981, what that was all about, so you can understand what exactly what's going on out here in this particular rock called Planet Earth. Grow up while you have opportunity to do so. I must say, that is actually a perfect get at Frank Paul. That is exactly in keeping with the format of GAF. Get at Frank. That is brilliantly done. Brilliantly executed, Melvin, and thank you as well for your service to our country. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Carol in New Jersey, who's usually so nice. I have a feeling I'm going to be disappointed with this get at Frank. Go ahead, Carol. Let me have this. No, Frank. I have one comment to make. Let's hear it. You need to make the, the quiz. Uh, answer, yeah, they're, they're too easy. What's too, what's too, too easy? easy? You need to make that uh, more difficult. What, what Make what more difficult? The quiz. Well, the $1,000 quiz. Oh, the $1,000 minute. All right. Well, I mean, we had two winners right. already, uh, Carol, in the course of a year. Okay. But all right. Maybe you're right. Maybe we need to make it more difficult. Okay. Uh, I can uh, I can certainly see that. 800-848-WABC. Elliot and Manalapan, let me have it. 
Frank, you have a pre-recorded announcement at about 120, 220, 320. Tell me what yesterday's stock market results were. You know, you don't have to be the one to do the announcement. You could have somebody do it live and tell me what now, what the stock market is doing now. You know, that's actually legitimate, Elliot. I, I have no uh, no defense there. Uh, you, you are exactly right. I want to point out, though, you're talking 120 p.m., not necessarily 120 a.m., right? I'm I'm talking about during your snoozy time. Right. So do you have any complaints about this show specifically? I'll give you one. Uh, you every time you uh, end a, a segment, end the end the half hour or an hour, you, you give a uh, a slogan from either Bob Grant, Bob Barker, or uh, Barry Farber, and you say you say what they would say at the end of the segment. Why don't you come up with something original? That's fair. That is fair. That is a perfect get at Frank call eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. I mean, the reason I do that, just so you know, I mean. Aside from a lack of creativity, by the way, uh, that is one of the great misconceptions about me. I've, I've said this before. I um, am not nearly as intelligent as people think I am. I am not nearly as creative as people think I am. So what I've done. Really? The, no, Curtis knows that. Uh, the, what I have done is stolen from all of the best people who've been on radio ever. So um, if you haven't heard all those people, then you might think I'm kind of witty or engaging or intelligent or creative. None of that is true. None of that is true. Everything that you hear on this show, including what you're hearing right now, is stolen from somebody else. So, I, I mean, it, that is a fair criticism that Elliot, uh, that Elliot has. Nothing original. 800-848-WABC. We are doing a get at Frank, uh, Mary in Valley Stream, let me have it. Yes, hello, Frank. Um, I don't hardly listen to you because you have a lot of stupid topics, mm. especially UFO that I could just go down the dial and I could hear all the UFO I want to. Why can't you talk about topics that happen during the day? Uh, or have people at least call in and talk about it instead of these stupid topics that you have they're not interesting there you have it mary good job well done 800-848-wabc that's 800-848-9222 bob is in baldwin hello bob hey frank i bet you never checked out bob grant's book on the chapter that tells why he was nasty to his callers uh, actually you're right I, I never went back and read that that's true you ought to do it it's great all right, thank you, Bob. 800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. Bobby is in Manhattan. Hello, Bobby. Hey, Frank. So so the only problem I have with you is that you don't walk your son around having him on your shoulder, patting his back and brushing the back of his head. You brush the back of his head, you pat his back, you brush the back of his head, you say little things to him, you sing him little songs, you give your wife a little break. Wait, is this something I do or don't do? I don't think you do it. Well, how do you know? Well, (laughs) because otherwise he would be, like, much more responsive with you. 
All right. Okay. Well, that hey, that's fair. I uh, very well could be a total failure as a parent. I have no idea how Bobby's aware of that, but hey, maybe he is. 800-848-WABC. Howie is here in New York City. Hello, Howie. Hey, what's up? DJ Kosha Howie from SoundCloud here. I used to listen to your show when you first started. I used to call in a lot. But then all of a sudden you had this uh, screener named Gabby who was uh, who dissed me. Uh, you were talking about aliens. And I wanted to ask you, what was the deal about uh, the aliens telling humans that we're not allowed to go on a moon anymore? And then Gabby tells me, oh, we're not taking alien uh, topics anymore. So I hang up, and guess what happens? The next call is talking about aliens. Well, anyway, the main thing is your show is pretty much like the same thing that happens in the daytime. Uh, I got a recording here if you want to listen to it. It's you telling me. That you want to have listen, let's just let's just listen. Nice, yeah. I'm just curious what he thought of it, but thanks for the suggestion there, Charlie. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Hal is in Pennsylvania. Hello, Hal. Hi there. All right, my idea is that you have a supernatural show, more like what Art Bell did, because George Norrie's stuff is pretty watered down. Maybe you can even get someone who's even better than Art Bell. And um, Well, I'll be honest with you, Hal. I think that's what our owner, John Katsimatidis, sort of wants this show to be. So if you have you – don't have, You don't even do what your boss wants you to do. I wish you would have well, a supernatural uh, show. Howie or Hal, um, coming up at 2.30, you're going to want to hear my interview with Tim Swartz. Again, I've been trying to get Molly and Matt to do a test with him for uh, three days. Uh, so hopefully he'll be there. But uh, he is uh, the author of a new book. All about how humans and aliens are partnered on a base, and it's really interesting. Uh, so maybe tune in at two thirty. Maybe you will. Maybe you will do a retraction for that particular get at Frank call. Gaff eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Beverly is on Staten Island. Hello, Beverly. Uh, hello, Frank. You slurp your soup and you slurp your coffee at the Colonnade Diner. And Curtis was the one that told me to call you and tell you oh, that. Oh, boy, Beverly. Uh, my, the jig is up. My slurping habit has finally caught up with me. I've, I've gone for decades as a slurper, and now the jig is up. People know about it. 800-848-WABC. We are doing a good old-fashioned get at Frank. As this caller did an adequate job doing on uh, Curtis's show this weekend. Let's go to Giuseppe. Joey calling from Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Joey. Uh, good morning, Curtis. You're absolutely right. I hate slurpers. I was at that same diner. I, you know, I live in Eltonville near Frank, you know. So I was at the diner, and my friend was slurping and slurping. And, uh, it was getting on my nerves. And then the booth behind me, there was this girl clicking her gum. So between <laughs> the two of them... I just got some. I banged my fist on the table. I said, I'll be right back. I went out. What did my car left up? I, I can't stand slurpers or girl. Oh, when they start clicking their gum, I go absolutely nuts. Now, did you say clicking their Glock or clicking no, the gum? Oh, the gum. The gum and the chewing the gum. gum. I, yeah. I see. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's right. Gum chewers. Oh, yeah. that's right. Forgot all about it. They they pull out their spearmint or their. Yep. Or they're Wrigley's, and then they chewing gum like a, like a cow chewing its cud. Exactly. Oh, exactly. God. You're that so right. That drives me nuts. What a turnoff. 
you know, all of a sudden, yep. you were turgid, you suddenly become flaccid. Yep. <laughs> I'm telling you. You're, you're all right, so let me right jump joke. in here. I don't, I don't need the whole thing. But anyway, towards the end, it did get into a, yeah, a very good get-at-Frank call. But hopefully you could do better. 800-848-9222. Jay is in Cincinnati, Ohio, the Queen City. Hello, Jay. Hey, Frank, you're a pretty good guy, but you got to quit eating those Italian submarines mm. while you're driving your little Fiat car. Fix it again, Tony. <laughs> Fair enough. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. Raul is in New Jersey. Raul, let me This is Raul. Ah, Raul, thank you. And thank you, Alyssa, maintaining that fine Ryan tradition of putting the wrong people's names up there. All right, Raul, go ahead. I'd like to believe that you. I've never met you in person. I hope one day I could. I will because, you you know, are here in New Jersey uh, most of the time, you and uh, Rachel, okay? But I, you know, from, from what I can tell on the radio, you are two different personalities. You are not the same kind of personality when you do the news with Juliet Hardy, and Juliet, unfortunately, is no longer with this station. And uh, you are something else when you are doing the show by yourself. Now, I, I just want to know what happened, Frankie, to uh, you know Lauren Conlin. Is she still with the station? No, she's not. Uh, I, uh, I again, she's doing her own podcast now, doing some other things. But uh, she could find her on social media. But no, she's not with the station anymore. I got an email. Get at Frank from Brown. You know that I love you, but I do wish that you would modulate a bit on your mostly terrific overnight show. Sometimes you're just so shrill. I have to switch you off for the dulcet, calming tones of Nori. Cheers and all the best. Brown. All right. 800-848-WABC. Art is in New Haven. Hello, Art. Hey, Frank, you know, sometimes you're really stupid. You know why? Why? You should have had on your son. What would you say? You should have had a DNA test on your son. <laughs> That is a perfect get-at-Frank call. 800-848-WABC. Bill is in Huntington. Uh, come to think of it, how would I get a DNA test on uh, young Carmine? How would I go about that? All right, well, well, we'll work on that after the show. Hello, Bill. Listen, I call Ask Frank Anything every week, and I, I throw you slower and slower pitches. How come you can't answer any question? I, well, give me an example of one of the questions that I failed if to I, answer. If I asked you paper or plastic, you wouldn't be able to answer it. Paper. Right? Are you sure? Positive. Any other examples, Bill? All right. Bill was uh, fired up. All right, here's a get at Frank email. You're also, you're too damn nice about your coworkers, including the production team who seem to be unable to post podcasts in a timely manner. Uh, Rita and Dominic's Friday shows are still missing from iTunes and Alexa. Curtis's Saturday afternoon show is missing. Well, those aren't my coworkers. Those are whoever works on their show. Instead of criticizing their supervisors for not whipping the podcast team into shape, you've said nice things about them. Wimpy, do you keep your manhood in a jar are you so desperate to have your own podcast that you won't criticize them for screwing up other podcasts? Uh, by the way, that's actually true. Yes, I am not interested in what's going on on anybody else's show. 
I am grateful to have this show, and I will stay in my lane with blinders on to make sure you know that our show is is going in the right direction. What goes on on Dominic's show, Rita's show, Curtis' show—that's their business. Trust me, they can. They are very capable of handling things on their own. 800-848-9222. We will, we have one, two, three, four. Get at Frank lines open for you. 800-848-9222. We'll continue straight ahead. WABC. The views and opinions expressed by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect the policies or positions of WABC Radio, its management, or its sponsors. Hey, folks, sit here. 40 days up to 40 pounds. Say it with me. 40 days up to 40 pounds with NJ Diet. It only takes 40 days to lose 20 to 40-plus pounds. That's my guy, Arthur Turovitz. Since NJ Diet is a contractually guaranteed money-back program, you have absolutely nothing to worry about. NJ Diet is 100% tailored to you by using bioenergetically personalized supplements based on your hair, saliva, and blood work. Then, NJ Diet uses DNA testing to create your ideal diet plan and workout regimen. going to help you keep the weight off for the rest of your life. 40 days up to 40 pounds can be a real thing, unlike other weight loss systems. NJ Diet is all natural. No shots, no hormones, no prepackaged foods, and no surgery. With offices throughout the tri-state area or from home with live online video consultations. Start your new year off right and call NJ Diet today, 855-5NJ-DIET, or go to njdiet.com. That's njdiet.com, 40 days, up to 40 pounds with NJ Diet. We are New York on New York's Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. that I didn't think the 1990s had as good of music as some of the other decades. In fact, all the other decades. This song stands out as an exception to that. This song is brilliant. I think it might be a one-hit wonder. It's from the British pop singer Jimmy Ray. I don't know of any other songs that he ever did, but this is as catchy as they come. 800-848-WABC. If you're just tuning in, this is The Other Side of Midnight. And for the next 15 minutes, we are giving you an opportunity to cleanse. We are giving you an opportunity to vent. We are giving you an opportunity to roast. We are giving you an opportunity to take out your frustrations on me. Take them out on me. Insult me so that you don't have to kick your dog and beat your wife. Now is your opportunity to give me a verbal tongue lashing. If there's something about me that you don't like, if there's something about this show that you don't like, now is the time. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Uh, all right. Enough, um, enough talking about me. Let's hear about you bashing me. Janet is in Westchester. Hello, Janet. Hi, Frank. Two things. Sometimes when you talk about your personal life, it's a little too much information. And other times when you talk, you come across as being whiny, and it's really beneath you. 
Right, well, that's uh, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good complaint, Janet. Can't argue with that one. 800-848-WABC. Jim is in New Rochelle. Hello, Jim. Hey, Frank. How you doing? It's me, Jim, as I told the call screener. I just wish the show was longer. I'm the guy who sent that gift for little Carmine with his name in the frame. Oh, that was very thoughtful, actually, Jim. Thank you. So your complaint is that the show isn't long enough? Exactly. I told the call screen, I have. I can't complain. I love the show. That's all I Well, that's say. awfully nice of you, Jim. And uh, shame on you. You should not be calling in this hour. That is a far, far too nice of a, uh, a call for this hour. Let's keep with the spirit of the exercise, people. None of this backdoor compliments. Stay focused, people. Stay Exactly. Stay Thank focused. You. Michael is in Manhattan. I know Michael won't let us down. <laughs> I'm just calling to several things. Number one, I want to poke fun at you. Oh! Um, <laughs> and that comment was unprecedented. Uh. Another one. I know you're suffering through this. Um, a couple of uh, a couple of thoughts. Number one. Uh, stop giving so many when you when you give an example of something you have to do threes. Oh, he might have been busy. He might have been watching television. He might have been going into the living room. Just one example is plenty. The other thing is, please, you got to change that photograph uh, that shows up on the WABC website. Yeah, you know, I heard you talking to Curtis about that. What yes, what I photo? I don't know what photo you're talking about. Okay, you know, you have my email. You, you 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 have my email. Email me that photo cuz I don't know which one you're talking about. I tried to find what? it based on your description. Really? I don't know which one if it is. You, if you just Google WABC radio, yes. it's going to pop up there. So when I Google yeah, WABC radio, I yeah. see the radio station's website, wabcradio.com. Oh. It shows your shows your picture. There. All right. Well, email me In the any photo. event. You can. I'll, I'll, the other thing is, yes. um, you have to be kind to your neighbors, kind and considerate. What do I mean by that? Um, since you self-admittedly have indicated that you've gained a lot of corpulence, for the listeners, that means fat. Thank you. Um, that gained a lot of weight. Be kind to your neighbors. Mm. When you go out at night, put taillights on your butt <laughs> so that they can see you. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. 800-848-WABC. Best um, dog food I have ever eaten. Roger is in Massachusetts, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Hello, Roger. Yes, sir. Yeah, I wasn't going to even uh, bring this up, but lo and behold, here we are, the next step. Uh, broadcasting day and you have a GAF hour. So uh, maybe you could explain to me then uh, uh, the uh, the reason why on Friday uh, you held my phone line uh, the entire uh, program until like the last minute and a half before uh, the end of the program. And uh, I mean, I understand if I was working at WABC or one of the neighbors, you know, we wouldn't be hanging out together. But regardless of that, why, why uh, wouldn't we hang I, out I'm together? I'm curious Roger. as to why you did that. Why? Uh, why would we not hang out together? I'm just curious, Roger. Oh, I don't know. I'm just you know, I'm pretty darn different from you. That's all. Ah, well, a lot of my friends are different I'm, from me, Roger. Uh, remind right, me, remind me what you were. Uh, I honestly don't remember. Uh, well, what were you calling okay, to talk well, about? Okay, well, I, I, I called up for the um, Ask Frank anything, which I was going to. I had a, you know, 
graphical question I was going to ask you. And um, and, uh, and so I, I held for the first hour. And then I, and I said, well, I'll just wait, you know. And then I was thinking, well, you know, usually near the end of your show, you take a, uh, you know, if you want to discuss anything we discussed previously. But then after about two and a half hours, I called, hung up and called back, and he called screen and said, oh, no, the lines are working fine. He just, just picks up wherever he wants to pick up. So I then became curious, and I stayed on the line for the rest of the show. And you introduced me as someone who's been on hold from the very beginning of the show. And I thought to myself, what the heck is the purpose of that? And it was like I had like about a minute to squeeze in a few things. Uh, and so, so you remind, remember that, huh? so no, I, I mean, I remember. Uh, I think what happened is I didn't get to you in the first hour, and and then ask Frank anything was over. So I was taking calls that were more topical based on what I was talking about. And then oh. I, I felt bad right. seeing that you were holding the whole time, and I got to you towards the end, even though it wasn't necessarily topical. Well, yeah. Anyway, so yeah. Well. Okay, well then, uh, that, I guess that explains that. Yeah, I said I was. Yeah, okay. All right. All right. Thank that you, Roger. It's a fair criticism. I think also I remember that Roger is always on a speakerphone that is very, very irritating to try and listen to. All right, we have now one, two, three, four, five, six open lines. If you want to um, get at Frank, I got an email here. Uh, not signed. I love those unsigned emails. Those are my favorite. Quote: Beat your wife is never any part of humor disgusting that you think it is lighthearted by the way uh person with the initials bl who won't sign his email i said don't beat your wife i said get your aggression out on me so that you don't i am preventing domestic violence here i'm not encouraging it i am preventing it 800 you're welcome by the way to those of you that are not beaten up by the person that gets to take out their aggression on me or if you're a dog that's not being kicked today you're welcome. 800-848-WABC. Bob is on Long Island. Hello, Bob. Uh, wow, wow, wow. All right, Bob. Thank you. Sean is in the Bronx. Hello, Sean. Frank is a wrongful conviction advocate. Uh, you constantly denigrate me about what you consider my obsession with Janine Pirro. It's not about Janine Pirro. It's about what she's done to innocent people like Jeffrey Deskovic, Anthony DeSavone, Stephen Nowicki, Richard DeGuglielmo, and I can go on and on. If your callers wanted to just Google Gene Pierre wrongful convictions or the Dobbs Ferry Deli shooting or Twisted Justice at CNN.com or the uh, Janine Machine by Richard Blasberg, you could see that this evil sociopathic pathological liar and narcissist has sent numerous and kept numerous people, innocent people, in prison. Well, thank you, Sean. Yeah, I mean, again, the reason I denigrate you, including on Friday, is one, so often in your criticism of Janine Pirro, you feel the need to mention that she's an Arab, right? So if you have a problem with Janine Pirro committing prosecutorial misconduct, it shouldn't matter whether she's Arab, white, black, yellow. And so, I mean, it sounds racist, quite frankly. It sounds like you have a racist axe to grind against Janine Pirro. And... You also lie about what you want to talk about. So, um, you you know, we're going to go to Jennifer in just a second. Jennifer's very honest, always, what she wants to talk about. And you know what? She's usually on whatever topic we're talking about. She doesn't lie her way onto the show and then decide she's going to talk about whatever she wants to talk about. No. I mean, that's my issue with you. 
is that uh, you have a cause that you're promoting, righteous as it might be, racist as it might be. And the best thing that you can do if you want to reach the listeners of this station with whatever your cause is, including yours, is to buy advertising. But instead, it seems like you're trying to steal advertising by duping us all into, um, you know, into putting you on the air. It's just it's just annoying. 800-848-WABC. As promised, here is Jennifer in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Hello, Jennifer. Hey, Frank. Um, I just wanted to say I think sometimes you really enjoy the sound of your own voice. Mm. I enjoy the sound of your voice, too. Otherwise, I wouldn't listen. But I told you this before. The man that had the red-eye program, which is the one that you took over, if I'm correct, you've interviewed him a couple of times. He's out in L.A. now or something. Yeah, yes, uh, but I want to be clear. So... Um, the, the, the show that was on this time slot before me yeah. was called Red Eye Radio, but the person that yeah, I've interviewed uh, is Doug McIntyre, who created mm-hmm. Red Eye Radio. Now, Doug had not been hosting Red Eye Radio for about seven years. So the, oh, okay. the Red Eye Radio that Doug McIntyre created is not at all the Red Eye Radio that exists right now. Oh, yes, not those two guys, yeah. Yes, I, I just want to make yeah. clear, just for the listeners' uh, clarity. Uh, yeah, but what, I, what I found interesting in listening to him is pretty much the opposite of what you do. He said he really enjoyed He never knew he'd just come in with any random topic, and he never knew where the conversation was going to go because he'd let the callers just take it. And I know not my calls aren't always interesting to you, not all of us, but I, I don't know if you ever really get a call really over 30 seconds, maybe a minute tops. And I think sometimes other people's voices and, and stories and input are certainly as interesting as yours. Um, so I think that would be great. And also one other thing, sometimes you get like a mocking thing with elderly people with their hearing or their ability to get something out. And I uh, really get my dander up. Someday, God's grace, you'll be older, too. Then there's a, you know, people are called with the intention of actually being able to speak to you. And when you poke fun at them, I don't think it's cool. That's all. All right. Well, and, that's uh, all legitimate, Jennifer. That's all very fair. And uh, if I ever don't take Jennifer's call, it's just be- because she calls often, right? So what I try and do, uh, and actually, I think she is a very good caller. Uh, but what I try and do is I generally... If there's a board full of calls and they're all on topic, just so you know, I'll let you behind the curtain a little bit. I go to the the name that I know the least, right? I go to the caller that's least uh, common because I don't want to look like it's the same 10 people that are always calling the show. I always try and go to the new caller first and so that hopefully it will incentivize them to call again and to listen again in the future. 800-848-WABC. This is a Get At Frank Hour. I want to know what I'm doing wrong. You have four more minutes to tell me. 800-848-WABC. Veronica is in Manhattan. Hello, Veronica. Yes. Hi, Frank. I enjoy your show. The times I get to listen to it um, pretty much. Uh, I can't listen 20 hours a week, but I, I listen often enough. Anyway, it bothers me that sometimes it's it's been... Uh, uh, I wouldn't say often, but more than once, that you have figuratively thrown your wife under the bus about something. For instance, um, that she broke your Garfield mug. Now, that was over a year ago, and you made that comment on more than one 
night because you were dealing with the situation at the time. And then just recently, you broke it, and you reminded us that a year ago, your wife broke it. I don't understand why you have to involve uh, w- something that your your wife isn't uh, hasn't given her permission for. Uh, that that is uh, that is fair, Veronica. Now you're not actually my wife, Rachel, calling under a pseudonym, are you, Veronica? No, but I, I it wouldn't be a bad gig. <laughs> well, that's that is nice of you to say, Veronica. Thank you. That is a fair criticism. Absolutely. All right, I got an email here. Get out, Frank. Email. Uh, and again, if you want to try and jump in within the next ninety seconds, now's your opportunity. Eight open lines. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Frank, what can one say? The list might be endless. You have your neighbors snow blow your driveway at no financial or physical cost to you inside your warm home, watching from the window, laughing all the way. Ha ha ha! Steal cans and bottles from the homeless in the hopes of profiting to further finance your drinking obsession. No more cash, more booze. That's actually not true. I do not steal cans from the homeless. If anything, they're stealing cans from me. Three, I'm not that smart. We all know you don't believe that for a moment, not one second. Your ego is humongous. I'm surprised there was room in the car for Molly with all that hubris in there. It's obvious your faults and inefficiency is so apparent, it gives your buddy Curtis hours of good radio to fill his show. Slurp if you must. I'm going no further because your show is putting me to sleep as it usually does. That is from Mike. All that is very, very fair. 800-848-WABC. Well, actually, the clock is our enemy. Those of you that didn't get an opportunity to insult me verbally, you can email me, as Betsy Lenke has just done, frank.morano at wabcradio.com, frank.morano at wabcradio.com. Those of you that are fans of the show, I appreciate you indulging me for the last hour and letting these people vent a little bit. Uh, We actually have a very serious issue that we're going to talk about straight ahead. In the words of the great... Strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight. It's Monday morning. Thank you for listening to our little program. This is uh, a, a, a fine, fine show to be a part of, a fine, fine show to listen to, in my opinion. And if you're interested in knowing what's happening with the wide world of aliens, uh, listen nowhere else. Because coming up in a half hour, we're going to talk with Tim Swartz. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about aliens and things of that nature. I want to thank uh, Alyssa, who actually did a terrific job with that Get It Frank uh, hour. That's a challenging hour to um, to call screen. And I must say that uh, with the exception of getting one person's name wrong, I think she did a fine job. Alyssa, was that uh, so that was your first get at Frank hour? I must say you did very well. What 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 shows have you worked on previously? Well, never mind. You don't have to answer. Okay, there we go. Go ahead. What's... I've done Left versus Right. I do Greg Kelly show a lot. Bo Schnerdly. What else? Money Mac. I've been on a couple of shows during the week and during Saturdays and Sundays. So, how long have you worked here at this radio station? 
I've worked here since August, but I've been call screening since December. Oh, okay, great. So uh, on, about three months. Yeah, about. Well, I, I must say, uh, it did seem like most people had their radio off, which was nice for a change under the right. uh, Ryan era. And um, and w- where did you work before uh, before before here? I actually graduated college. I studied political science. Oh, at very nice. University of Delaware. So very nice. Well, we're happy to have you. Now Thank you're just you. with us for the day, right? We're, we're you're not back tomorrow. Oh, two days. We get I am it. back right. tomorrow, yeah. Great. Wonderful. All right. Well, hopefully you uh, hopefully you enjoy the show. Aside from this program, of all the hosts that you have uh, just named, what's been your favorite show to work on? Left versus right. I really like that one a lot because I like both perspectives. From oh, that's nice. Side. Yeah, that's great. That's a great show, actually. Uh, thank you very much, Alyssa. If you want to speak to Alyssa, you can do so at 800-848-9222. I agree with Alyssa, actually. I enjoy hearing... The back and forth between um, Chris Hahn and Curtis Lee. And by the way, everybody knows of my fondness for Curtis. And Curtis was the Republican nominee for mayor. But I think if you're going to do a show left versus right, it should be someone a little bit more conservative than Curtis, right? Because Curtis is not a Trump guy, never voted for Trump. There should be somebody that, I don't know, is a little more conservative. I mean, it's not as if Curtis is lacking for airtime on the weekends. I mean, can you imagine if it was, say, uh, 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 Greg Kelly versus Chris Hahn? Somebody, somebody would leave that studio with a bloody nose, okay? You know that would happen, but it's a good show nonetheless. Speaking of, uh, speaking of politics, there was a story in the Daily News. I guess it appeared on Friday. It was Friday, February 30, Thursday. Okay, so it appeared online Thursday afternoon. It was in the paper Friday. Um Headline, NYPD cop pal of Trump advisor Roger Stone faces police department charges. I was sick over this story. Now, I am friends with the person this is about. Well, one, I'm friends with Roger, but I'm friendly with this police officer, Sal Greco. Let me read you just the beginning of it. I don't I'm not going to read you too much of it because so much of it is just rehashing old stuff that's been in the Daily News three or four times before. So there's a police officer named Sal Greco. Okay, let me read you the beginning of the article. An NYPD officer close to Trump advisor Roger Stone has been charged with misconduct by the police department, the Daily News has learned. Officer Sal Greco faces trial March 1st on charges of conduct prejudicial to the good order and efficiency of the department. A police official told the news the charges follow a nearly year long internal investigation. His lawyers to London told the news. London said the case has to do with Greco's relationship with Stone. We will go forward and litigate the matter in court. A police source uh, echoed London's explanation. Greco, 39, was photographed with Stone several times on January 5th and 6th in Washington before and during the riot at the Capitol. The morning of January 6th, the cop was photographed outside the Willard Intercontinental Hotel with Stone and several masked Oath Keepers working as Stone security. Greco was linked to Alabama Oath Keeper Joshua James through a cash-sharing app. At least, I guess I am reading the whole thing here. Uh, At least five Oath Keepers who provided security to Stone were charged with participating in the insurrection including James, who was charged with storming the Capitol in military-style gear hours after protecting Stone. And then it just goes into all this Oath Keeper stuff, all this Roger Stone stuff. Let me tell you something. Do you know how many? Do you know how many 
members of the NYPD, men and women, total, do you know how many members of the NYPD have been arrested for their role on January 6th? Zero point zero. That's right. Nobody, nobody, there is not a single member of the NYPD that was arrested for storming the Capitol or rioting on January 6th, including Sal Greco. The fact that a fine police officer like Sal Greco is being forced to go on departmental charges, I don't even understand this. I mean, I'm not a lawyer. But the fact that this cop is being forced uh, through a departmental trial, either because he's conservative or because he's friends with Roger Stone, is a travesty. And the police commissioner and Mayor Adams ought to step in here and and put an end to this. This is not right. because And I don't care if you hate Donald Trump. I don't care if you hate Roger Stone. I don't care if you hate Sal Greco. It's clear to me that this information is being leaked to the papers by enemies of Sal's within the department. And I don't understand what he's done wrong. No one's alleging he was a rioter. No one was alleging that he trespassed on the Capitol. No one's alleging that he broke a single law. It looks to me that when Bill de Blasio was was the mayor, he wanted to criminalize being a Trump supporter or being friends with Roger Stone. Now, when this article first appeared, and again, I can't believe they've done three articles on this going back to last March with no new information, none. Um. They have one of the people that I spoke to about this was my friend Roger Stone. Now, that's how I know Sal through Roger. Uh, Now, from what I understand, Sal is prohibited from speaking to Roger. Now, I don't understand how that's constitutional. I want to remind people that Roger was pardoned for any crimes. But I spoke with Roger Stone about Sal Greco in this particular case back in, I believe this was March of 2021. I can't believe almost a year ago. We're in the same position. Nuts. This is my a little bit of my conversation with Roger Stone. What is the story with this guy, Sal Greco? Apparently, there's some sort of an investigation going on, and the NYPD is taking this very seriously. They're certainly taking leaking to the Daily News very seriously. Uh, let me welcome Roger Stone. Roger, uh, thanks so much for being awake and available at this odd hour. Uh, uh, Frank, I'm delighted to be with you. I'm, uh, it's been a long day. I'm spending a lot of time writing because I'm writing a book on my two-year odyssey uh, in which the uh, Mueller witch hunt uh, uh, basically ran a politically-based prosecution against me, and I learned the awesome power not only of the politicized federal judiciary uh, and the uh, Justice Department, but their uh, but their viciousness uh, and the corruption uh, of their entire process against me, ultimately. Uh, and thank God Almighty and uh, President Donald Trump that, uh, you know, I avoided the near certain death sentence of being sent to a COVID-19 infested prison in rural Georgia, uh, where the government insisted there were no cases of COVID. There's now over 400 uh, in that one facility. Uh, uh, at the height of the pandemic uh, at age 68. So I'm glad to be with you, Frank. These days, I'm glad to be anywhere. We get right down to it. 
uh, it, this is a, a complicated thing. I mean, Sal Greco is a, uh, a 12-year veteran of the New York Police Department with an unblemished record of service. Uh, he is uh, somebody I met on Instagram, strangely enough, probably two years ago. Uh, he is, was uh, uh, in his off-duty hours uh, and in his free time a strong supporter of President Trump. Uh, he, uh, because he had been a government witness in many trials on behalf of the government, he analyzed my case himself and came to the conclusion that, you know, that I had done nothing wrong, to coin a phrase. Uh, but we became friends uh, on his off days, on his vacation days. Uh, he visited my wife and I. I worked out with him. I went to mass with him. We ate dinner together. He was a friend. During my trial, he was there as a friend on his free time. He escorted my daughter, my adult daughter, to and from the trial. It's a very difficult time. Uh, the uh, so uh, this invest he was most definitely in Washington D.C. with me on the fifth. He was also with me on the sixth. I never left my hotel grounds on the sixth. The only time I believe Sal left the grounds was to walk down to the ellipse see how large the crowd was, and then walk back to the Willard Hotel. Beyond that, he was with me the entire time. So uh, just to be he, clear, just to be ne- clear. Neither, neither one of us knows anything, needless to say, about the horrific and appalling and politically counterproductive um, uh, events of the six. The point here, Frank, is when the first story ran, it is not supposed to be public, so that's a leak. But I believe, based on the advice of many fine lawyers and people more knowledgeable than I, that the best thing was for me to say nothing, because hopefully the investigation internally will prove that Sal Greco has done nothing wrong. If you want to call in and comment on this, I'd love to hear from you, especially if you're a police officer, either active or retired, 800-848-WABC. So this Daily News article, again, the third or fourth one, on this subject, Officer Sal Greco is facing a trial on March 1st on charges of, quote, conduct prejudicial to the good order and efficiency of the department, close quote. Someone is going to have to explain to me what that means. Conduct prejudicial to the good order and efficiency of the department. 800-848-WABC. I understand what police brutality is. I understand what taking a bribe is. I understand what, uh, uh, you know, robbing someone is. I understand what theft is. But conduct prejudicial to the good order and efficiency of the department, to me, it looks like they are trying to penalize this fine police officer for being friends with Roger Stone, number one, and being and or being a conservative slash Trump supporter, number two. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. And I will say, I mean, I don't know Sal that well. I know him a bit. But, you know, he became very good friends with Roger Stone uh, and some other people in Roger Stone's orbit, people like Kristen Davis and others. And Sal has had a very tough time over the course of the last year. His dad passed away. He's had uh, some professional difficulties and some personal difficulties. And the fact that he's prohibited by the department 
from even confiding in, talking to, venting to some of the people that he views as his closest friends, to me, it's just outrageous. I don't know how the the police union is not screaming bloody murder over this. I don't know how defenders of the police aren't saying, wait a minute, you're criminalizing normal political conduct and normal human relations. I think if you were to uh, say that he did something wrong, maybe that he participated in the January 6th riot or something of that nature, that's one thing. But if you were to just say conduct prejudicial to the good order and efficiency of the department. Now, I know Roger Stone, and this series of articles is the worst thing that you could have done with a guy like Roger Stone. Because, remember, he's prohibited from interacting with Sal. I wouldn't be surprised if Roger launches a scud missile of a lawsuit himself against the department. Is that really the kind of attention that the department needs right now? I don't think so. Do we really need to be wasting time and taxpayer money prosecuting a police officer because he was friends with Roger and was in Washington on January 5th and 6th? There's no photo of him storming the Capitol. There's no eyewitness that says he stormed the Capitol. In fact, there are plenty of eyewitnesses that says he was somewhere else at the time that this Capitol riot was going on. So what are we doing here? Is this really the best use of the NYPD's time right now and the best use of the Internal Affairs Unit? I think not. I think this is a travesty. And I hope Mayor Adams steps in and does something about this. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. You can also find me on Twitter. I tweeted a link to this article on Thursday afternoon. I don't want to really uh, link to it again because I don't want to feed into the Daily News' clicks here. But if you do want to go to the trouble of finding it, you can go and find uh, Thursday afternoon. Uh, on my Twitter, at Frank Morano. That's Frank, M-O-R-A-N-O. You can also email me, frank.morano at wabcradio.com. That's frank.morano at wabcradio.com. I want to thank both the caller, Mike, who, by the way, a lot of people speculate is actually Woody Allen. We have a caller, Mike, the guy who called and complained about my picture and then spent 13 minutes on the phone with Curtis on Saturday morning complaining that I didn't let him talk about James K. Polk enough. A lot of people believe he's Woody Allen. A lot of speculation about that in the Facebook group. And if you listen to Mike, he does sound exactly like the kind of person that would marry his stepdaughter. Let's face it, he does. But uh, Mike and, uh, and another listener named Julia, they sent me the image on WABCradio.com that he has an issue with. I like this picture Um, You know, he's saying it's not a real estate photo. I look too young in there. I remember when this photo was taken. This was taken in front of my old apartment. This was about six and a half years ago. So maybe it is a little dated. Maybe we do need a new photo. Six and a half years ago. And the Daily News was, ironically, the Daily News. The Daily News was doing an article about me, an incredibly critical article, and I felt slightly unfair. But, um, again, at least they were covering, you know, what I was up to at the time politically. 
And uh, the Daily News sent a photographer, and I liked the picture. I thought it was good. Uh, but um, so I said, you know, let me, I, I don't think you're technically allowed to do this. But I said, yeah, let me just crop just the head of it, and I'll use that uh, for my photo uh, on WABCRadio.com. Now, we did have Jill, who's a, a, a wonderful uh, photographer. She did take some headshots of me about uh, t- about five or six months ago. And uh, maybe a little more than that. But um, so, I mean, and then and then Doug, who's our chief of operations, he took headshots of me. So I'm not sure why they still use this one. I will look into that. See, that's why sometimes the get at Frank hours are pretty productive. So I'll look into that. 800-848-WABC if you want to comment on this daily news uh, series of articles about Sal Greco and the fact that there looks to me like they're trying to persecute him for being friends with Roger Stone, number one, and number two, being a conservative. Uh, 800-848-WABC. Hey, one thing I do want to play for you is Curtis played this, uh, and I appreciate that, that he that he did play this, but there is a brand new episode of my podcast the racket report now this is totally independent of the show this is all interviews and commentaries that you will not hear on the radio this is a subject matter that i will never discuss on the radio it is all stuff having to do with the mob and organized crime not doing it all at all on the radio if you want to hear any of that got to go to the racket report you can search the Racket Report on Spotify, on iTunes, on CastBox, or wherever you get, or uh, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, hit the subscribe button, leave a nice review that'll help people um, say, uh, you know, find it. But for the second edition of this show, I actually continued my conversation with Anthony Raimondi, a former Colombo crime family enforcer, and he, here's a snippet of what you'll hear if you listen to the entire podcast. What is the status of Italian organized crime these days? Is it still powerful? Is it still around? And if it is, why do we hear about it so rarely? First, in my opinion, I think that the Russians, the Chinese, the, uh, the what do you call them, the Yakuza with the, with the Japanese, the tribes, I think they're more powerful than the Italians right now. I'll be perfectly honest with you, because one thing, and I'm going to be honest with you, I mean, you know, if you think about it, the Italians do not stick together. They, they really don't, because who's the first ones to rat on use your old guys? Where the Russians, they stick together. The Yakuza with the Japanese, they stick together. The triads, they stick together. Even these other groups from, uh, let's say, like from Haiti or wherever they're coming from, or like these uh, other gang staff, they stick together. The Italians, if you ever notice, the Italians do not stick together. If there's a problem outside, for argument's sake, like let's say like you get Black Lives Matter, okay? Black people stick together and they will protest, okay? The Italians won't. Like, like with Columbus Day, when they were saying that they wanted to make Columbus Day uh, Indigenous People's Day or they wanted to add something else into uh, Columbus Day, nobody put up a stink. They all kept their mouth quiet. But if it would have been a different, uh, like with the Russians or something, they all make their voice heard and they want what they want. The Italians do not stick together. Look at the neighborhoods. They run out of the neighbor. They run out of their neighborhoods like uh, like when you turn on the light, the cockroaches start to scatter. Let's put it that way. If somebody sells their house in the neighborhood, uh, and they see there's people moving in, they all 
decide they're going to put their house up and they run out of the neighborhood. They just don't stick together. That's what it is. That's uh, just a snippet of my conversation with Anthony Ramonde. You can search The Racket Report wherever podcasts are available or just go to WABCradio.com, click on podcasts and find The Racket Report. 800-848-9222. Talking about the situation involving Sal Greco, who's going to face an NYPD departmental trial on charges that I don't even understand. And to me, it looks like he's being persecuted because of A, his personal relationships, and B, his friendship with, uh, and B, his politics. And again, if they were going after him for being friends with uh, Hank Sheinkoff and for being at a, uh, a pro, you know, an anti-Trump rally, you know, like a million woman march or something of that nature, I would be sitting here saying the same thing. 800-848-9222. Dom is in the Bronx. Hello, Dom. Tom. That's me, Tom. Oh, Tom. Excuse me. Uh, okay. We're breaking in okay. a new screener okay. here. Uh, you know. Okay. No, Tom. no, no. That's all right. Okay. I like to speak on this officer here. Um, so you don't know exactly why they're, they are doing this? Well, I only, I only know what's being reported. Okay, because it seemed like they're telling him, be careful about the company you keep in, okay? And they're not making it known what he did. My my thing to you is you got to be careful because you only, that's only your opinion. You got to be careful who you're taking up for. You don't, this is a big thing. They're telling him to be quiet and he's on, you know, going to uh, a hearing for this stuff, man. You got to be careful until you know, to know something about what we're talking about here before you go taking up for people. You don't know what he's done. I don't know either. I'm not saying anything, all right? But, you know, until we know something more solid, come on, man. We got to be careful until yeah, we get the, the facts. The thing is, Tom, the fact, yeah. that, the fact that there's now been three or four articles on his case, and they don't allege in any of these articles a single instance of wrongdoing, it strikes me as they're ruining a guy's reputation over nothing. Yeah, uh, well, you know, yeah, as far as we know. Right, so how about, against that, how, which about, is not right. how about we wait until there's a trial, um, and then we see what happens, and then if they uh, unload some damning evidence against Sal Greco, then then write about it. Because to me, yeah. it looks like they're trying to taint the city, which is obviously not a Trump city, against this particular officer. Yeah, well, you know, if, if his department is doing that too, there's something there, something. I don't know which I, way I, it's going, but if his department is doing that, there's something there. I, you know? I, Tom, not from where I'm standing, uh, not from where I'm standing. To, you know, you read the article and uh, tell me what you think. You can email me as well. We're going to go through tomorrow on Tuesday, your best and worst email for the week. Frank.Morano at WABCRadio.com. That's uh, Frank.Morano at WABCRadio.com. Hey, uh, coming up in a minute, we are going to talk with Tim Swartz about aliens. This should be fun. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. WABC. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC. The Other Side of Midnight presents The Midnight Files.
This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. We began the show September 29th, 2021. And one of the things that we try to do on this show is talk a little bit about areas related to the paranormal, to aliens, to mysteries, to the unsolved mysteries that keep so many of us scratching our head. And so I, when... I was getting ready to launch this show, reached out to as many experts in the field of UFOs and UAPs that I could find. And I was the one of the first people that I reached out to was a fellow named Timothy Green Beckley. My relationship with Timothy Green Beckley was game changing. Not only was he one of the first in-studio guests that I had in for an entire hour talking about all sorts of stuff related to aliens, extraterrestrial space, and the like, but Timothy Green Beckley was not just a writer himself and a guy that really loved radio, but he was also a publisher of all sorts of other terrific books on this subject, and he introduced me to dozens of other writers who were experts on this subject. Now, unfortunately, last year, Tim Beckley passed away. His legacy continues. A lot of the great work that he's written over the years continues. And I'm sorry uh, that he passed away prior to broader disclosure of what we know about what's happening with UFOs. However, one of the gentlemen that he introduced me to was Tim Swartz, an Emmy Award-winning television producer and videographer. He's off an author in his own right of all sorts of books, including the, Tim Swartz's big book of incredible alien encounters. But Tim Swartz has sort of taken it upon himself, along with one or two other folks, the legacy of Tim Beckley, and he's sort of picked up the ball and run with it from where Tim Beckley left it left us when he died far too soon. And I am thrilled that Tim Swartz is kind enough to join me on the radio this morning. Hello, Tim. Thanks for joining me. Hey, Frank. It's a real pleasure talking with you tonight. So, uh, Tim, for the uninitiated who maybe didn't hear my previous conversations with Tim Beckley over the years, what do we know? I mean, what can you tell folks about Tim Beckley and his legacy? Sure. Well, you know, uh, Tim Beckley, also known as Mr. UFO, that was something that uh, uh, the members of the rock group KISS had uh, uh, put upon him, and he happily uh, claimed that. Uh, you know, he uh, he loved the subject of, uh, of, of UFOs and uh, loved to talk about it. And, uh, you know, I don't think that there was a day that went by 
that uh, he wouldn't call me on the phone. We'd have uh, uh, long discussions about the subject as, as well as, uh, you know, what kind of books we were going to be putting out and, and, and things like that. But I mean, you know, ever since he was a kid and uh, he and his family had a UFO uh, encounter uh, from the front por- porch of their house in uh, New Jersey that, uh, you know, he uh, he became interested in the subject and uh, got to know a lot of the uh, uh, faces and other people who were involved in uh, UFO research. And uh, I mean, right up to the time that uh, that he died in uh, Memorial Day weekend last year. I mean, he was uh, he was still actively involved in the field. When we're talking with Tim Swartz. You can also check out his website at conspiracyjournal.com. There's a lot of great articles on there, a lot of great links to other information on there as well. So he was working on a book at the time of his passing, which you have now finished. It's Is it called Dulce Warriors? Dulce. Dulce, Dulce Warriors. Warriors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and, tell, uh, tell us about why you thought this was such an important piece of work and you felt the need to pick up where Tim left off. Yeah, well, I mean, it uh, it technically would have been uh, Tim's last book, and I mean, you know, he he wrote and published, you know, maybe, gosh, you know, uh, three to five hundred books in his lifetime. That's a that's a lot of books. Yeah, I mean, you know, you yeah, you know, I mean, there are some people that they struggle to get one out, but uh, you know, we we worked every day. Uh, putting new books out. And and Tim was the type of guy that uh, he would have not just one, maybe two or three books working at the same time uh, to be put out. So uh, when uh, when he passed away, uh, he was, uh, him, myself, uh, a guy by the name of Sean Castile, and uh, and, and others were working on uh, Dulce Warriors. And Tim had pretty much completed the chapters that that he was going to write and had come up with a list of uh, what chapters would be then for, you know, from from other people, myself, Sean, the other writers that he brought in to do this book. So uh, uh, he had distributed what uh, what was going to happen next to the rest of us, and then he died. And so, I mean, it took us a little longer than than we normally did, but we were able to uh, put his chapters together, you know, clean it up because, I mean, you know, I mean, he he had a stream of consciousness style of writing. And, uh, you know, we cleaned everything up, put it all together, got the illustrations uh, uh, together and uh, uh, finally got the uh, the book published. And and I think, you know, it's it's a book that I think that. that Tim would really be really be proud of. I mean, if it was going to be a book that was going to be his final book, you know, I think Dulce Warriors uh, pretty much completes that. So you spend a fair amount of time in Dulce Warriors talking about a secret underground base. Where is this secret underground base to the extent that we know? And, and what's it all about? Well, allegedly, and you know, I'm going to have to put that in there. Uh, it, it it was it's supposed to be in a mountain uh, uh, on the north side of a town called Dulce in New Mexico. Now, Dulce is about uh, 200 miles north of Albuquerque, and sets right on the uh, New Mexico Colorado border. 
and supposedly in the mountainside, uh, and, and there are several locations that you know people have claimed that this this hidden underground base is, but uh, the 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 main focus seems to be on a place called the Archaleta Mesa, and uh, this base is supposed to be about a mile underground. Uh, about seven stories, maybe about uh, a total circumference of about uh, uh, four miles. You know, a pretty, pretty big location. And uh, according to the stories that have been uh, distributed by uh, various uh, personalities, they, you know, those are the Dulcy Warriors that uh, Tim referred to. That uh, this base was a. Uh, uh, manned by both the United States military and various extraterrestrial forces that uh, uh, supposedly had been uh, uh, had a treaty with the United States, maybe as far back as the uh, the early 1950s, with uh, starting with uh, President Eisenhower. So this base was or is a collaboration between extraterrestrial species and representatives of the American government? That's the way, yeah, that's, that's the way the story goes. And uh, this, uh, this came about from a, uh, a scientist uh, in Albuquerque, a guy by the name of Paul Benowitz, who uh, he had a, uh, a business called uh, Thunder Scientific, and his house sat right next to Kirtland Air Force Base. And uh, uh, he could uh, go out on the, the balcony on his second floor, and it looked over Kirtland Air Force Base, which, you know, which is a really big base, by the way. I mean, you know, it's you know, it's huge. It's maybe you know, eighty miles in circumference, and uh, you've got like Sandia Laboratories. It used to be uh, the uh, had a, a big nuclear depository there. I'm not quite sure offhand if it's uh, still there or not. But at the time, uh, this would have been around, you know, 1978, 79, uh, Benowitz was seeing uh, strange lights uh, flying over the base, uh, lights that to him look like uh, what we would call uh, UFOs or now uh, UAPs. And uh, so he started taking, you know, pictures and film, you know, he he had some really good cameras and some good film cameras. And so he uh, he contacted the base. and He says, hey, I've uh, some strange things going on. I see over the mountains around your base. You know, uh, do you want me to keep doing this or, you know, uh, I've got uh, uh, like a, a antennas pointed at him when I'm picking up uh, strange transmissions, you know, what's, uh, what's going on. Uh, and uh, they actually invited the air force actually invited him uh, to come over and, uh, and to do a presentation. And uh, then they, uh, they said, you know, we're, we're interested in, in what's going on here. So why don't you, uh, why don't you keep doing, and uh, we're going to give you one of our special agents, a guy by the name of, uh, of Doty who is uh, going to uh, help you out with this. And from this came the story of uh, Dulce Base. Uh, we're talking with Tim Swartz. He's the author or the co-author of uh, Dulce Warriors. Is the best way for people to get the book, Tim, to go to conspiracyjournal.com, to look on Amazon, any suggestion for how people should pick up the book if they're interested in it? 
Yeah, probably the best way would be to go to Amazon.com and just uh, you know type in Dulcie Warriors or uh, Timmy the Green Beckley, Tim Swartz, you know the the book and all the others that uh, that we've written over the years will uh, will pop up. Yeah, now you alluded, you began the description of the Dulce base by saying allegedly, and uh, you've talked about this um, this testimony from uh, Mr. Benowitz. Is there other other evidence to corroborate what Mr. Benowitz is saying, or is the totality of what we know about this Dulce base only from this one individual? The initial story came from Benowitz, and he was actually um, fed this story by this uh, uh, Air Force uh, special agent guy by the name of Richard Doty. Now, uh, what has uh, come forward over the years is that there is a possibility that uh, Benevich was actually seen some kind or maybe a number of different kinds of uh, top secret black budget projects that was going on at, uh, at the base. And that uh, using his scientific knowledge, especially with uh, how he was receiving uh, radio transmissions from these alleged UFOs, uh, got the Air Force worried that uh, he was privy or had made himself privy to this uh, top secret research. And that, uh, first of all, he, uh, he may reveal too much to the public or worst of all, that he may end up being targeted by uh, uh, foreign spies who were uh, always looking for, you know, information along these lines. So, you know, supposedly uh, he was put into uh, what was called a disinformation campaign that was uh, to uh, uh, dissuade him from uh, uh, thinking that this was uh, Air Force type of stuff going on and instead... It was aliens. Now, you have to remember that uh, disinformation means that you're being fed a little bit of truth, a little bit of, you know, fake stuff, and uh, just just kind of to uh, blur the waters or, you know, uh, muddy the waters, uh, so to speak. Uh, And and one of the things that came out was that there was this this secret underground base at uh, Dulce, New Mexico, that was uh, chock full of uh, uh, military and aliens and that they were doing all kinds of uh, horrible uh, genetic research, kidnapping, you know, abducting people from across the, uh, uh, the country, taking them to this base, uh, torturing them, all kinds of horrible things. Uh, so, you know, Benowitz uh, took this and, and he ran with it naturally. I mean, you know, you've got a guy here who was a real patriot. I mean, he fought in World War II. Uh, he, you know, he worked, uh, you know, his his company actually, you know, supplied all kinds of electronics for uh, NASA and, you know, and the Air Force. So, I mean, you know, he was a guy that, you know, if they, if they told him that there were aliens in his basement, he was going to believe it. And uh, which, you know, that's kind of the unfortunate thing, because, you know, you had this guy who was all too, all too willing to uh, work with the government. But instead, they kind of made him an an example. So so what what, what ultimately became of him beyond this sort of uh, brainwashing disinformation campaign? 
What became right. of him after that? Well, um, uh, he became extremely paranoid. And uh, uh, he he started uh, to think that uh, the aliens were uh, uh, were out to get him, uh, out to get him, and to get others. And and of course, uh, the people like uh, Dodi and the NSA, the NSA got involved too. They actually uh, set up in a house across the street uh, from where Benowitz lived, and uh, uh, gave him a computer saying that, hey, this is a computer that uh, if you go and uh, enter all of this, uh, these radio transmissions that you are picking up, uh, it may be able to uh, translate the alien messages. And sure enough, uh, that's what happened. And uh, so, you know, Benowitz got to the point where his family decided that uh, that maybe they should uh, 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 have him institutionalized for a while. So there were a couple of times that, uh, that he was, he was sent away, uh, given uh, medical treatment and, and sent back home. Ultimately in, uh, 2003, he committed suicide. Mm. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, through, uh, through most of the eighties and nineties, uh, Paul Benowitz, uh, uh, worked, uh, extremely hard and, and with others who, who kind of came out of the woodwork with uh, similar stories on um, how the Dulce base was real and that there were clandestine things going on there with uh, uh, the help of uh, the United States military and uh, various extraterrestrial races. In terms of uh, in in terms of Benowitz uh, talking about this, I mean, given everything that he went through, is he the best source of information? Given that he was troubled, was institutionalized, and ultimately was so troubled that he killed himself. Right, the Dulce Warriors are a lot of the other people who uh, who came forward. With uh, with their stories, uh, I- including Benowitz, you know, you had uh, uh, people like uh, like John Lear Jr., who uh, actually was a pilot for the uh, the CIA in his uh, uh, younger days, and of course, you know, his father was uh, famous for you know the whole uh, Lear Jet uh, <laughs> thing. So you know, you got you got John Lear. Uh, and uh, uh, and then, you know, he had a friend, a guy by the name of uh, Bill Cooper, who uh, became uh, famous with uh, a book that he wrote called Beyond a Pale Horse. And uh, uh, both of these guys came forward and uh, and said, yeah, the uh, the whole uh, Dulce base mm-hmm. thing is a is a reality. And in fact, uh, they used one of the earliest uh, uh computer bulletin boards that was uh, up on, I think it was CompuServe. You know, if anybody, you sure, know, CompuServe. I yeah. I mean, that, that was out there before uh, AOL, which is one of the first. And, uh, you know, if you, if you had the, uh, the right kind of connections, you could uh, get into this bulletin board and, and download this, this tons of information that had been ama- available to people like, you know, Benowitz and, and, and John Lear that went into just really excruciating details on what was going on, not only at Dulce, but some of these other places uh, uh, that uh, allegedly 
were involved with this uh, this treaty between uh, alien races and and the the United States uh, government. And you know, you have to remember that the uh, the alleged Dulce base was uh, out there. The information was out there before anybody had even heard of, say, Area Fifty One. So it's really interesting because a lot of the same stories that would later come out uh, about Area 51, mm. you know, that it was a location where crashed UFOs were taken and were being studied, stuff like that, first came out uh, about the Dulce base. Um, you know, I would think if this base is a collaboration between extraterrestrial uh species, varying species, and Earth, that it would be bigger than just the U.S. government. To the best of your knowledge, is it just Americans that are collaborating with the extraterrestrials at this base, or does it include representatives from other governments as well? There, um, uh, some of the stories that came out uh, did say that, that there were other countries involved, uh, uh, most of the major superpowers. You know, one of the things that uh, uh, was being said was that the whole uh, uh, Cold War scenario was was just a cover because hmm. you know all the all the country, United States, uh, then the Soviet Union, you know, China, and especially you know like Great Britain, France, you know, countries like that. Uh, uh, you know, were were involved with this, but apparently, you know, at various points, uh, naturally, I, I suppose people being people, that uh, you know, there there were arguments, and that uh, say, like the uh, Soviet Union would be banned for a while, or you know, the uh, Great Britain wouldn't be allowed uh, to come over and. and and help anymore, uh, but uh, the the main emphasis always seemed to be was that it was uh, uh, mostly the United States that was involved because we were the first. The United States was the first that had been approached uh, uh, by these uh, uh, alien races because of the crash of a ship at Roswell, New Mexico. Uh, and, and you see this this they had also they brought in they were one of the first to bring in the whole Roswell New Mexico mythology and you have to remember this was taking place initially around 1979 when most people had never even heard of Roswell yet uh, here the air force was uh, releasing to Paul Benowitz you know, the, these stories that there was a, a craft that crashed and that they recovered alien bodies and at some point were contacted uh, by the, uh, not survivors, but I suppose companions of uh, whoever uh, this, uh, the Roswell crash and others, you know, the Roswell crash wasn't the only one. Uh, apparently at this time, uh, these stories are saying that uh, these these craft were crashing all over the place and that uh, Tim, so, you know they I, I'm, I'm gonna have to have you back in the future but my last question for today is do we think that this base is still in existence and operational or do we think this is not something that's going on at the moment yeah i don't think it's something that that's going on at the moment uh there, there's been talk that uh operations had been moved to uh uh area 51 and then to uh utah 
uh, the, I think it was the, the Dugway Proving Grounds in, in Utah. You know, this is something that uh, I suppose to uh, draw attention away uh, from what's really going mm. on, that, you know, it, it, it's mobile. It, it moves around to, to various locations. So, you know, if we're talking about uh, a Utah location now, it's probably moved someplace Interesting. else. Well, it's a fascinating theory, and uh, if people are interested in learning more about it, they should check out the book Dulce Warriors by Tim Swartz and uh, Timothy Green Beckley. Get it on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Tim, I always appreciate the opportunity to talk with you, and I hope we can do it again soon. There's uh, a wide variety of subjects that uh, I'd love to pick your brain on, from Antarctica to Nikola Tesla, and I'll look forward to our next conversation. Hey, thanks, Frank. I appreciate you having me on tonight. I hope your audience uh, enjoyed this as well. Thank you. Uh, if you want to comment on any portion of our discussion, you're welcome to give me a call, 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Your call's straight ahead. WABC. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC. Traveled on when hope was gone to keep a rendezvous. I knew somewhere, sometime, somehow you'd look at me and I would see the smile you're smiling. The great Frank Sinatra singing Around the World. If you're a Sinatra fan, by the way, you really must listen to my friend Joe Piscopo hosting Ramsey Mazda's Sundays with Sinatra program uh, starting at 6 p.m. Sunday nights. Uh, We had some folks over last night, and uh, what I've done is, I've told you I can't stop buying radios. So what I've done is I put one of the radios that I recently purchased in my basement, which is unfinished, but we keep our laundry, uh, our washing machine down there, and my ping pong table down there. So I played uh, my friend Craig in a game of ping pong, as well as my brother Alexander. And I put this radio down there and still got great reception and was listening to Joe Piscopo do the Ramsey Mazda Sundays with Sinatra show. It is a great show. If you're not, if you're a Sinatra fan and you're not listening to it, you're missing out. Hey, you want to call me, 800-848-9222. Commendations coming up after the top of the hour. You want to email me. We'll read your best and worst emails tomorrow. Frank.Morano at WABCRadio.com. In the meantime, keep asking questions. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano.
everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Well, what better way to start your weekend off on the or week off on the right foot than with some positive news, which is what we try and do each and every week at this time. It is time for us to give a pat on the back to the entities, persons, places, and others that deserve a pat on the back. It is time for... The Other Side of Midnight presents Commendations. All right, I must give a commendation to Kyle Hipchen. He is a Florida-based airline captain who won a trip to space. Then he gave this ticket, which, again, right now it's a pretty rare thing to go to space. But Kyle Hipchen won a sweepstakes to go to space, and he gave his seat to, of all people, his college roommate. So I really, I can't imagine being this generous. I mean, this is a guy who's a an airline pilot for a Delta regional carrier called Endeavor Air. And he shared his story with the Associated Press for the first time. And he opened up about his out-of-the-blue dream-come-true windfall, the letdown when he realized that he topped the weight restrictions, and then his offer to the one person, because he was uh, 250 pounds, and you, you that's too much. You can't be that much. And... His one offer to the person he knew would treasure the flight as much as he would, and he gave it to his college roommate, Chris Sembrowski, a data engineer in Everett, Washington. I mean, you talk about a gift that is a once-in-a-lifetime, once it's a once-in-ten-lifetimes gift. To give someone the gift of going to space, that is absolutely extraordinary. Absolutely extraordinary. I say good for you, uh, Kyle, and we are giving you a hearty commendation, Mr. Hipchen. And I want to give a commendation as well to a second grader who lives in Idaho by the name of Dylan Helbig. He wrote a book. He wrote a little Christmas adventure on the pages of a red cover notebook, and he illustrated it with colored pencils. Now, When he finished this book in mid-December, he decided he wanted to share it with people. So much so, in fact, he hatched a plan and waited for just the right moment to pull it off. So days later, during a visit to the Ada Community Library's Lake Hazel Branch in Boise with his grandmother, he held the 81-page book to his chest and passed by the librarians. Then, unbeknownst to his grandmother, Dylan slipped the book onto a children's picture bookshelf. Nobody saw him do it, but he basically snuck his own book, this kid, into the library. So the book was titled The Adventures of Dylan Helbig's Christmas, C-R-I-S-M-I-S, signed by Dylan himself. Now, he later told his mother about this, that he slid the book into the stacks and left it there undetected, But when they returned about two days later to the spot where he left the notebook, it was missing. So the mother called the library to ask whether anyone had found the notebook and to request that they please not throw it away. So the branch manager said he was surprised at Dylan's bold move. 
The branch manager said it was a sneaky act, but he was laughing. Dylan's book was far too obviously special an item for us to consider getting rid of it. So the branch manager and a few co-workers had discovered and read this young man's book, which describes his adventures putting an exploding star on his Christmas tree and being catapulted back to the first Thanksgiving and the North Pole. They found it very entertaining. The branch manager read the book to his six-year-old son, who giggled and said it was one of the funniest books he'd ever known. And the staff librarians who read this book agreed that as informal and unconventional as it was, the book met the selection criteria for the collection at the library. It was a high-quality story, and it was fun to read. So they asked this young man and his mother for permission to tack a barcode onto the book and formally add it to the library's collection. Lo and behold, they did. And now it is one of the most popular books at this library. The library even gave Dylan its first Houdini Award for Best Young Novelist, a category the library created for him. Um, This is really neat. So this eight-year-old kid, wrote his own book, didn't bother going through publishers, didn't bother going through the normal channels of distribution. He did the kind of guerrilla marketing that I just love. I mean, I'm not condoning it. It's sort of naughty. But he snuck it into the library, and it's a great story. It's a fun story. And people are taking it out like crazy. It's one of the most popular books they have. Maybe that uh, is a, a way for you if you're an author. Maybe it's a way for you to get your book read. I want to give a commendation to Olympic athlete Julia Marino. Julia Marino put together the run of her life at the perfect time, and it resulted in a stunning victory at the women's snowboarding slope-style event. So she took home the first medal of the 2022 Olympic Games for an American. She finished. She got the silver medal. But it was the first medal for an American athlete at these 2022 Winter Games. Now, if you heard Friday's show or if you heard any portion of the Cats Roundtable Sunday morning, you know that I I have some issues. I have some issues, period. But I have some issues with how these games are being conducted. And in my view, what is the abdication by the International Olympic Committee for what they should be doing on human rights here. That being said, I couldn't be prouder of all the American athletes that are participating. They worked incredibly hard for this, and this is the culmination of, in some cases, a lifetime of sacrificing. And uh, I uh, couldn't be happier for them, and uh, especially our first medal winner, Julia Marino. I also want to give a commendation to the family of diehard Bengals fan, James Lipscomb. So this is a fella who is lives in Ohio, 86 years old. He has been rooting for the Cincinnati Bengals for half a century. And he saw the Bengals play their first ever game in 1968. So he was watching the game last weekend or two weeks ago. And he became very emotional when the team made it to the Super Bowl. His family, especially his granddaughter, Elizabeth, his family videotaped him 
seeing the game and seeing uh, basically becoming very emotional, almost in tears over seeing the Bengals finally make it to the Super Bowl. So his granddaughter, after posting this video, they created a GoFundMe uh, page for him with the goal of getting him to the Super Bowl to, to watch his team take on the Los Angeles Rams. Lo and behold, this video went viral, and he is going to the Super Bowl because a whole bunch of people donated money to allow him to go and because his family shared this video of him. So, I mean, you talk about a real hardcore Bengals fan, a die-hard Bengals fan through thick and thin. I love this. Uh, so I'm glad James Lipscomb's going to the Super Bowl, and he's very lucky to have a family like this. I want to commend billionaire Ron Lauder, who has been warning against a rising tide of Jew hatred. And one of the things that he's doing to combat anti-Semitism is you remember that Tennessee school district that banned the Pulitzer Prize winning Holocaust book, Mouse? We discussed this with Debbie Schlussel a couple of weeks ago. But now Ron Lauder, who's you know a very wealthy guy, is offering to send them all free copies. He is sending a free copy of this book to all 53,794 people in McMinn County, Tennessee. And just for good measure, he's also sending a copy to Whoopi Goldberg as well, uh, which I thought many of you might appreciate. I want to give accommodation to a police officer in New Jersey by the name of Thomas Bergen. He is a Bound Brook Police Department acting sergeant who, during that snowstorm last week, responded to a 911 call of a woman going into labor at her home in the middle of this massive nor'easter. This cop, this hero cop, delivered a healthy baby boy at this woman's home in the middle of a snowstorm. And his parents were so grateful that uh, they are naming... It, the the baby, at least partly, after him. So uh, I think that was great. They gave him the middle name Thomas in in, in Thomas Bergen's name. Now you know that I had, my wife gave birth in a hospital, but I was so grateful to her doctor and to the nurses and everybody responsible for bringing this healthy baby boy my son into the world now i but i was still very nervous you can imagine how nervous you are if you're giving birth not in a hospital but at home and to do it in the middle of the snowstorm when you're stuck there uh i mean to me i just can't imagine that and uh, good for this police officer thomas bergen for being quick-witted enough and fast-acting enough to participate in the delivery of this beautiful baby boy. And he is. I'm not just saying that. He really is a, a handsome child. 
I want to give a commendation to Jalen Taylor. Sometimes, you know the saying that it's better to be lucky than good? Perhaps that applies to Jalen Taylor. Jalen Taylor is a fascinating man. He is a Virginia man who has won a $52,000 lottery prize. Oh, but he's also won an $80,000 lottery prize. He's won the lottery twice, two months apart. Listen to what he did. This was incredible. And uh, really, uh, and, and it took a lot of gumption. And as a gambler, I appreciate this. This fella, Jalen Taylor, bought 104 identical lottery tickets for the same lottery drawing. He won and then tried the same strategy two months later and won $80,000 with 160 tickets. So this fellow who lives in Charlottesville, uh, he told Virginia lottery officials his lucky streak began when he bought 104 $1 tickets bearing the numbers 9, 6, and 0 for the November 18th pick three drawing. Each of Taylor's tickets earned a $500 top prize, winning him a total jackpot of $52,000. And then he did it again two months later with three other numbers. I mean, you talk about a guy who had a hunch and played it. That guy could have lost all that money. No guarantee that those pick three numbers work. Wow. He said he's going to use all the money towards savings and investment. I want to commend the city of Dallas, but especially their mayor and their police chief. The Dallas police chief is named Eddie Garcia, and the um, the mayor is... Um, I'll give you the mayor's name in just a second. But if you look at what's happening with respect to crime right now, um, crime in city after city around the country is going in the wrong direction. Uh, Eric Johnson is, a, is the mayor's name. But the in Dallas, the mayor and the police chief have implemented a series of strategies That while we see crime going up in Philadelphia, New York, Chicago, Dallas is the great story that is not being told. They have uh, seen a tremendous downturn in violent crime. And the Dallas miracle that we're seeing in the year 2021-2022 looks very much like the New York miracle of 30 years ago. They broke Dallas into 104,000 grids, and just 50 of those grids are responsible for 10% of the violent crime in the city. Doesn't it sound like Comstock, right? So only a relatively small number of areas are responsible for a large amount of crime. It's a small amount of individuals. So in Dallas... The most troublesome areas were apartments. They had murders. They had robberies. They had assaults in apartment complexes. So the police, along with other city agencies, examined the complexes to see how they could make them safer. For each building, they would say, okay, it needs fencing. It needs lighting. They would ask, who do you hold accountable to get that done? Do we need a park? Do we need youth activities? Do the streets need work? 
But their plan wasn't just conflict resolution workshops and midnight basketball. The police chief, Eddie Garcia, has been visiting prisons with community leaders to emphasize his carrot-and-stick approach. So um, he's got a message for prisoners being released. If you're going to cause havoc, you're going to end up back in here. But if you need job training, education, mental health, substance abuse help, we want to help you succeed. What Dallas is doing, as far as I'm concerned, is a model for the entire nation. They are combining the best elements of smart policing, of getting tough on crime, with restorative justice. I hate to use that term because after seeing what a joke it's been made of in places like Manhattan, um, it's lost a little bit of its meaning. But the bottom line is that if you come out of prison and you need some help and you have people that are going to help you, it's much less likely that you're going to get you're going to end up back in prison. I want to commend a judge in housing court, Judge Kaiman Thermos, who is a Queens housing court judge who said on the record that NYCHA, the New York City Housing Authority, is criminal. This judge spoke for a lot of frustrated tenants when he said that the agency's failure to provide hot water to as many as 300 tenants in a Rockaway apartment building is criminal. Quote, if this was a private small landlord, the landlord would be in jail by now. He would have been in jail by now and the fines would have been $500 per day per apartment. So he would have been in jail and he would have been losing his building too. Uh, This judge is not taking any guff from the city. Why is your crime shielded this way? He asked a lawyer for NYCHA. NYCHA is dropping the ball big time. I am amazed that NYCHA is still the mess that it is. And I am glad that this particular judge is calling them out on this. I may run a slate of candidates for various offices this year, um, all over the state, maybe even all over the city. I am going to run this guy for state Supreme Court because this is the kind of independence. This is the kind of toughness. This is the kind of ability to see that two plus two does not equal 17 that is missing from far too many courts in this state. I am going to run this guy for state Supreme Court. Uh, You know, we may run a slate of candidates for various offices as on on a third party. I'm going to run this guy for something. Uh, I don't know where, I don't know what the circumstances are going to be, but this is a guy that should be on the state Supreme Court. And then finally, I want to commend all of the rescuers of this five-year-old boy in Morocco. Rayon Oram um, was trapped in a well. And this became like, you remember in the 80s, like the early 80s, you had that baby that was stuck in the well here. This was Morocco's version of this. This tiny Moroccan village rallied to free this five-year-old boy from deep in this well. They had a hashtag, Save Rayon, R-A-Y-A-N. And then on Saturday night, they finally reached this boy. They were digging by hand. They were working around the clock. All sorts of people working together. 
Um, now, this united warring factions, essentially, in Morocco and Algeria. This attempt to get this five-year-old boy out of the well united people not just from Morocco, but from their rivals in Algeria, others from North Africa, people in France where there's a large diaspora from North Africa, and more than 100,000 people were monitoring one of the live streams that showed the trench where the rescuers were working day and night, digging by bulldozer, digging by hand. Thousands more followed on other live streams and on social media. This is one of those rare world events where it didn't matter whether you spoke English, French, or Arabic. All those prayers were going to the same place, and these rescuers were working as hard as you can imagine working. They were able to send him oxygen and water. And um, they had a camera that they lowered into the well, which appeared to show this boy moving, although it looked like he was hurt. He was bleeding. But eventually on Saturday, they did tunnel to within inches of where the boy was stuck. And they couldn't assess his health because he was lying on his side. Ultimately, he did pass away. He didn't survive. And I thought a great deal today about whether I should still give the rescuers a commendation. And then I thought, well, of course I should. These are people that work nonstop for no money for five straight days in a totally selfless act and in the process brought all these disparate factions that don't get along together. Of course they're worthy of a commendation. So around 9.30 p.m. on Saturday, cheers of joy broke out around the well. You had hundreds of spectators and rescue workers gathered over the course of the week. Some people even sleeping under trees. And they were cheering so loudly because this boy was out of the well. And you can imagine their disappointment. And I was similarly disappointed when this five-year-old boy was found dead. Minutes later, the king of Morocco, Mohammed VI, called Rayan's parents and uh, offered them his condolences. But um, you look at the tears that people burst into who had been following this on social media. I mean, it's on the one hand, it's strange to get this emotional about a child that you're not related to, that you've never met, whose parents you've never met, whose culture, if you, as in the case of Algeria, you might not even like. But on the other hand, it makes perfect sense. I mean, if you're not going to get moved to tears by an innocent boy dying in spite of a whole community's efforts to rescue him, then uh, you better check your pulse because you just might be dead yourself. All right. Uh, if you want to comment on any of today's commendations, you can. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. Straight ahead. WABC. 
The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC. another manic monday hopefully not too manic for you uh, but uh, a terrific song by the bangles we forgave them for having video kill the radio star well if you look around i don't know that video is well i guess video's still around too but the radio stars are still very very much here 800-848 wabc that's 800-848-9222 uh, let me say hello to neil on staten island hello neil Good evening, Frank. Well, good morning. Uh, I, I have to take uh, umbrage with your uh, compliment on the housing court judge. Uh, number one, just because you said something you like uh, doesn't really qualify him to run for the state Supreme Court. I mean, that, that's that's ridiculous. Well, I disagree completely, Neil. Uh, I have seen way too many housing court judges that are part of the problem, and uh, I see – uh, in fact, most state Supreme Court justices in this state are of the go-along-to-get-along variety and uh, owe their election purely to being the cog in some political machine. And, uh, in fact, that's certainly the case in, uh, you know, 90 percent of the with of the state Supreme Court justices in New York City. So uh, the fact that somebody is willing to be so uh, bold and independent and speak out uh, against the city, uh, which is not something that puts you on the fast track for judicial promotion, I think that uh, that counts for a lot in my book. No, no, I, I understand you say that, Frank. But what what stops him from finding the city in contempt or finding them? I mean, uh, they're not immune. I mean, they're in court, just like any other litigant. So uh, to him to say, if you were a private employer, you'd be fined five hundred dollars a day. There's no reason not to start finding the city. I mean, it's, it's disgraceful. That people on the hot water. I saw the I saw the uh, the article on the, on the TV news tonight. It's an absolute disgrace. But the city should be held accountable. Uh, I'm and with you. Uh, I'm with you. And that's one of the reasons that a uh, a federal monitor was appoint, uh, appointed in the beginning. But uh, I, I mean, to begin with, you're exactly right about that. Okay, Frank. Great. Have a great night, buddy. Thank you, Neil. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Mary Beth is in Huntington. Hello, Mary Beth. Good morning. How are you? Good. Did we speak earlier, Mary Beth? No, no and, okay. and that's what the call screener asked me. I mean, I've called you other nights, but no, we did not speak oh, today. Well, it must have been a premonition. I, you know, I must have had a vision. <laughs> now, what am I going to say, Frank? Oh, you got me. Well, what's on your mind, Mary Beth? Well, I just enjoyed those commendations so much because we're in such a bad news cycle for the past, I don't know how long. And, and just hearing those stories was very uplifting. 
of course, you feel so sorry about that child in, in Morocco, but um, for people to come together like that was beautiful. And the story you did about Dallas and how they are fighting crime and working to rehabilitate people, that's wonderful. Well, I don't think a lot of people know what's going on in Dallas right now. I mean, if you look at what's happening with violent crime in almost every city in America, it's pretty bleak. Mm -hmm. And yet Dallas is going in the exact opposite direction. And I realize there's more to just uh, crime than statistics, but... At some point, statistics do tell the truth to some extent. Absolutely. And I I would hope that the mayor and the police commissioner here in New York um, are taking a look at this and perhaps, you know, speaking with representatives from Dallas. Um, Every major city should be doing that. I would hope so, Mary Beth. Hey, Mary Beth, thanks for the call. Thanks for your nice words as well. You're welcome. Good, Good morning. Take care. Have a good day. Enjoy your Monday. 800-848-WABC. If you'd like to comment, that's 1-800-848-9222. So I had a friend, uh, have a friend. I mean, I haven't seen him in a while, but I think we're still on good terms. He was a bartender. I know, shocking to you, right, that I would be friends with a bartender. So he was telling me this. He told me this what I'm about to share with you five years ago. I've told you this story before, but stay with me. I'm going somewhere, okay? So he told me how about in 1993 or so that he was in a friend of his bar, not his bar, not the bar that he owned at the time and not the bar that he was bartending at when I met him. But he was at a friend of his bar. This is early 1993, late 1992, thereabouts. And he proceeds to go into the back of this bar to enjoy some cocaine. So, uh, you know how it is with uh, cocaine people. You end up uh, sharing communion, being, you know, being uh, in a communal experience with, in some cases, total strangers. So there's four or five people, maybe six, in the back of this bar in Midtown Manhattan 1992-1993. And they're passing around this plate of cocaine. I don't even know what you, what the proper description is for the cocaine holder. But they're pr- passing around this cocaine. And e- each of them are taking turns. Each of the people in this semicircle are taking turns snorting it. And this beautiful woman to my friend's left, my friend Tierney, has this beautiful tall gorgeous woman to his left and she hands him the cocaine meaning hey it's you now your turn so Tierney looks at this woman and he's immediately just floored and he tries to flirt with her but he also thinks she looks familiar and Tierney says to her hey you know you look really familiar do I know you and this woman just says no uh, that was it. No, she was not playing into the flirtation at all. And then Tierney says, no, 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 no. I'm telling you, I know you from somewhere. Um, did we go to the prom together? And now now she gets gives him a little bit of a smile and half a giggle. But that's pretty much it. That's as far as it was going. But at least he sort of won her over. He cracked that uh, that facade a little bit. Okay, so Tierney, I think, takes a snort of this cocaine 
and hands it to the person to his right. The person, the person to his right, there was no mistaking who this was. And as the person to his right takes this cocaine, um, he looks at Tierney and Tierney sees that it's Bill Murray. Bill Murray, the uh, Saturday Night Live comedian, the actor from uh, Ghostbusters and Groundhog Day and Scrooge and St. Vincent, not at that time, but all those great pictures. And Tierney is just gobsmacked, right? He looks like uh, he can barely speak. And Bill Murray sees the look on Tierney's face and uh, he says, again, he speaks because Tierney is unable to do so. He's so starstruck at this point in seeing Bill Murray. So Bill Murray says to Tierney, before Tierney can say anything, Bill Murray says to Tierney, don't worry, nobody's ever going to believe you. So um, Tierney laughs, Bill Murray laughs, and Tierney says, I'm your biggest fan. I've seen everything you've ever done. What are you doing here in New York? And um, Bill Murray points to that woman that Tierney was trying to flirt with and says, well, I'm, I'm here. I'm making a movie with your prom date. And he looks back, and it turns out that that woman, she had different hair than what he's used to seeing, but that woman was Uma Thurman. And they were making a movie in New York at the time, Mad Dog and Glory. So Tierney tells me the story maybe six or seven years ago. I kind of forget about it until 10 months ago. When a friend of mine, another friend of mine, not related to Tierney or anybody else in the story that you just heard, tells me that a friend of his met Bill Murray in a similarly weird situation. It had nothing to do with drugs or anything, but a similarly weird situation. And Bill Murray said the same thing to my friend's friend. No one's ever going to believe you. So... uh my friend who told me that second story recommended to me this documentary. It's a couple of years old now, but it's still just as relevant as it was years ago. It's called The Bill Murray Stories, Life Lessons Learned from a Mythical Man. And my wife and I saw it over the weekend. It is a documentary film exploring and investigating urban legends surrounding Bill Murray. Evidently, there are all these Bill Murray sightings that take place in random places all around the country. And it's almost like he's Bigfoot. And in fact, if you get the movie, we got it for $4. We rented it on uh, Apple, Apple TV. They have the cover of the film with Bill Murray's face on Bigfoot's body. Because the stories that people describe about meeting Bill Murray or seeing Bill Murray are exactly like these Bigfoot stories. Now, this is a trailer for the film. Again, it's called The Bill Murray Stories, Life Lessons Learned from a Mythical Man. Did y'all just pick him up? It's Bill Murray. Yeah. Oh, you are kidding. There's always that one person who you want to meet, and you'd be like, this is never going to happen. And then this guy shows up at your door. I'm bartending outside on the patio, and I get a text message. We're just about to sit down for dinner. Knock on the door. I'm a wedding photographer, and I get ready to photograph. And as I look through the lens, I see this 
guy. We were having a house party, and I ran inside, closed the door. I was like, shh, you're not going to believe it. Bill Murray's here. Oh, my God. Hello, my name is Tommy Avaloni. I'm a documentary film director, and I wanted to do a story with you. Uh, I'm not good at this. There are legions of tall tales about Bill that have circulated online throughout the years. So I look, and it's Bill Murray slapping his valley. These Bill Murray stories are random interactions with Bill and regular everyday people. Bill Murray could just sort of, like, arrive in your life for a few minutes. Why would such a big celebrity insert himself into these random situations? I don't think people can figure out why he would do that. It's like, where's Waldo? This is a search for answers. Bill was just fine getting lost. You okay? Yeah. I'm Bill, by the way. He just reveled in not knowing where he was. I run inside, and Bill is bartending. He's like a candle when you light it in a room, and all of a sudden the room smells great. He goes after little moments charged with meaning. He marches to his own beat. Bill is teaching us all how to live. So uh, this film, it's a documentary about this filmmaker, Tom Avalone, trying to research um, if if these Bill Murray stories are true. And if so, how many of them are true? Because there's so many stories, and there's photos and videos of some and eyewitness descriptions of others, of Bill Murray just randomly showing up at a party and he just, of people that he doesn't know, comes by himself, and he'll start maybe doing the dishes. There are these random stories of Bill Murray showing up while a band is playing uh, some, you know, local garage band or a band in a college town, and he'll bring his tambourine. He'll just start playing the tambourine. There are these stories of Bill Murray just showing up to a kickball game and start participating in the kickball game. Bill Murray shows up to a wedding and just uh, and just, you know, gets in the photos with the bride and groom. It's a I really enjoyed this documentary. And um, I asked my wife after we watched it if she was glad that she spent the $4 to watch it without commercials because you watch it with commercials for free on Pluto. And she said yes. So I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. And I thought it was so interesting that Bill Murray does this kind of thing, that he just randomly shows up all these different places. Uh, So the film is called, the documentary is called The Bill Murray Stories, Life Lessons Learned from a Mythical Man. Uh, I really enjoyed it. You know, uh, the Hollywood Reporter, they had a film critic that described it thus. And I think this is not far off. They described it, uh, they called it an enjoyable but hardly essential pop cultural exploration. That's probably true. You could go the rest of your life without seeing this film and your life would be just as fulfilled as it is right now. But I thought it was interesting that my friend and a friend of mine's friend had a similar Bill Murray experience, and he said the same thing, no one's ever going to believe you. And they have video in this documentary of somebody at a Q&A with Bill Murray saying, hey, Bill, there are all these weird Bill Murray stories, and they all end with the same thing. You saying, and no one's ever going to believe you. And his response is quite interesting. I won't spoil it for you. But uh, if you're a fan of Bill Murray, I think you'll like it. But even if you're not a fan of Bill Murray, it's such a fascinating premise that I think you'll probably like it as well. It's funny. It's cute. It's cute. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. 
Two two. Let me say hello to Joe in Westchester. Hello, Joe. Hey, hi, hi, how you doing? Um, listen, I gotta ask you something. You have two cats, I heard. Uh, no, I, 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 my wife has three cats that I live with. Oh well, listen, I wanted to tell you something. The story about when my daughter was about two months old. We had two, three cats, and uh, we went by the, I went by the bedroom, and I saw the cat with her face on my daughter's mouth. And I think she was trying to smother the, my baby, my daughter. And I just wanted to give everybody a head up. Don't trust cats because they're very jealous. If you show the baby more attention than you do the cats, they they can get jealous. And just and you heard of SIDS, right? Yes. Yeah, and I think a lot of this has to do with SIDS. If people own cats and. What they do, they're very jealous. So I would just keep my eye on the cat. Well, thank you, Joe. And fortunately, in my son's case, I think uh, my wife often acts as if she loves the cats even more than our son. I am I'm joking at least a bit. But uh, b- believe me, we're taking all the proper precautions to make sure that the cats do not kill our infant son. 800-848-9222. Pete is on Staten Island. Hello, Pete. Hey, Frank. Oh, I got Bill, Bill Murray stories. I mean, he used to take the express bus and get off downtown to shop like by Wall Street and stuff. And he used to say it's the cheapest cab you can get in town. But he would be all over the place. I was at uh, Monmouth Park and he's there sitting down. I look over. I go, hey, Bill. Like I haven't seen. I didn't see him in about 30 years, you know. And he goes, Hey, Pete. And I go, Bill, what's up? He goes, just playing a couple of ponies. I go, me too, me too. You like anything? He goes, get away from me. I go, okay. So that was that was it. But he's all over the place. I heard him popping in at uh, bars, weddings, everything. It's like, he's like Waldo. I mean, uh, this has been going on for years. Yeah, it's, apparently it's, that's the case. And uh, I was not attuned to it. And, and thanks for the call, Pete. I'll tell you, I'm, I'm thinking of trying to get the... The d- documentary filmmaker that made this documentary, who's also a character in his own documentary, I'm thinking of trying to invite him on the show and talk to him about w- his experience making this film. Uh, but uh, it may only be it may only work if you've seen the documentary, although then again, it might not. So I'm going to I think I'm going to reach out to him. We'll see. All right. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-WABC. If you want to join the Facebook group, all you have to do is on Facebook, search Morano Radio Fans and Haters. That's M-O-R-A-N-O, Radio Fans and Haters. Every time I visit that Facebook group, I am incredibly relieved that um, that uh, Ellen Metzger is there because she is always topical, always Everybody else, they try to get other stuff in there. I try to keep people on topic, and and it's it's very futile. I mean, I try, and I, I am trying. But uh, you can go on and participate in the Facebook group, Morano Radio Fans and Haters. It's meant to be a discussion forum about this show. So if you're interested in connecting with other fans, discussing what's on the show, what you like about it, what you don't like about it, that's the place to do it. M-O-R-A-N-O, Radio Fans and Haters on Facebook. This is The Other Side of Midnight, 800-848-9222. Your phone calls straight ahead. Something really hot for these folks. A big hit out of 77. A Star Wars. Nothing but Star Wars. Give me the Star Wars. 
Lavender Blue, Dinah Shore. You know, it's funny, I had lunch with uh, my friend Nick Barbaro on Friday. And uh, he's a great guy and a, and a good friend. And uh, really the brains behind uh, the Gold Shield. You can uh, learn more about the Gold Shield, which is a great method for stopping veteran suicide by going to the website, thesimpletruth.us. That's thesimpletruth.us. And Nick said, you know, you play a lot of good music on your show, but I never hear any Dinah Shore. Well, there you go. We do play Dinah Shore. And I didn't tell Matt Blaze to play that. Well, not in this instance, but it's on our list. It's in our repertoire. So we play Dinah Shore. Play everything. Play a little bit of everything. All right. So by now, you've probably heard about this. And this was all the news on Friday. And I know a lot of the hosts, including Dominic Carter, were spending a lot of time talking about it on Friday night. And on Saturday, Curtis, I think, did a whole miniseries about this show, about this incident. The mayor of New York City, Eric Adams, bragged in 2019, just three years ago, about being a better police officer than his cracker colleagues in the NYPD. That is being reported. That was story was initially reported by the Daily News. And so at the time he was gearing up to launch his campaign for mayor, he went on what's being described as a racially charged diatribe while delivering remarks at a private event on December 13th, 2019, held by the Harlem Business Alliance, a video obtained by the Daily News shows, quote, every day in the police department, I kick those crackers blank. Man, I was unbelievable in the police department. With 100 blacks in law enforcement, became a sergeant, a lieutenant, and a captain. You know the story. Some people all of a sudden trying to reinvent me, but the reality is what I was then is who I am now. He went on to discuss his forthcoming campaign for mayor, joking that he would rather grow a beard, smoke some weed, and leave this stuff alone. You hear me? The people who say, where's our real black leaders? They're going to say, who's Eric? Why does Eric think he should be mayor? Well, Negro, you run. You run. Go raise the $7 million. Let me tell you something, man. They're lining up. Eric can't be mayor. In the corners of the city, they're lining up. They know me. They know what I'm about, and they know what I'm going to do as the mayor of the city of New York. Listen, we're not going to play this game. So this video was shot by a local activist named uh, Thomas Lopez Pierre. So this ignited a little bit of a firestorm. And I do want to point out, before I give you my two cents on this, that during the campaign, Eric Adams implied that Andrew Yang and Catherine Garcia were racist for asking for teaming up on ranked choice voting and said this was their attempt to deny a black mayor from being elected. Okay, he did imply that. Then in the general election... He more than implied, he basically explicitly said that Curtis Lewa was a racist, which he certainly is not. So just keep that in mind. Now, Eric Adams, once this story broke on Friday, did issue an apology. 
Uh, no, definitely apologize. Inappropriate, inappropriate comments should not have been used. Someone asking me a question using that comment and playing on that word, I responded in that comment. You know, my fight in the police department was fighting racism throughout my entire journey. And I was serious about fighting against that. So he apologizes. He was joking around in a jovial manner. He did use some racial epithet. Cracker is a racial term. It's the white equivalent of the N-word, supposedly. And he apologized for it. Now, I think that Eric Adams should be forgiven. I think 100% we should say, all right, okay, you know, Eric Adams is sort of a street guy. He was a cop. We know a lot of street guys and a lot of cops do use salty language, especially when they're joking around and they think it's a private meeting. Let's forgive him. However, however, I want that same magnanimity applied to the next person who is caught saying something embarrassing, whether it's a year ago, two years ago. The next person that's caught saying something embarrassing, whether they're using a racial epithet like the N-word or whatever the case may be, if we determine or, or, you know, that it was a sincere apology, let's extend that same amnesty to that person as well. Because if we're serious about ending the cancel culture, then let's end it. Let's end it. Uh, Because what I'm afraid is going to happen is that Eric Adams will not be canceled for this. And again, I want to be clear. I don't think he should. I think he should absolutely be forgiven. And um, I'm afraid that Eric Adams won't be canceled. But if a white person is using similar language or a conservative, then I suspect there'll be much greater hell to pay. But that's why, you know, I want to be very consistent here. I say forgive Eric Adams. No big deal. I don't think these remarks should haunt him. I don't think he should be defined by this. But the next time somebody says something embarrassing, and you can bet probably by the end of this show we're going to find an example of somebody saying something embarrassing, then in my view that person needs to have that same amnesty extended to them. I tweeted that, by the way, and a lot of people agreed with me. A lot of prominent people, elected officials, columnists, uh, all sorts of people, uh, multiracial, multigender. So that's my two cents on the Eric Adams issue. That's what I believe, is we've all said dopey things. I've said 20 dopey things today alone. I don't want to be defined by being caught on a hot mic. Well, it's not really a hot mic, but being caught in what I think is a private communication. But it seems like we're selective. Society is selective with who gets forgiven And who gets canceled? And I think everybody should be forgiven. If if they're sincere about their apology. 800-848-WABC. Hey, I want to, those of you that are holding, we'll get to you in a minute. And there's an actress who's dealing with a similar issue when it comes to race and language. I'll tell you about that in a minute. We'll take your calls in a minute. And... Do you remember, I'm not, I'm not going to patronize you by saying, do you remember? Back when September 11th occurred, 
How many hijackers were there of the airplanes? 19. 19. Four airplanes went down. Three airplanes had five people on it. One airplane had four. Why did it have four instead of five? What became of the 20th hijacker? I'm going to tell you, and I'll tell you what is going to happen to him now. Spoiler alert, you are going to lose your mind when I tell you what became of the 20th hijacker and what's going to happen. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Your influence counts, so use it. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Hey, do you know who Aquafina is? Uh, if you're like me, if somebody threw the term Aquafina at you, you probably would have thought it was a water, a brand of water or something, bottle of water. Aquafina is an actress. She is an Asian actress, and uh, she's, uh, I know her best from the film Crazy Rich Asians. If you've not seen Crazy Rich Asians, it's actually... It's quite good. And uh, if you have seen the film, she's basically the wealth, the the friend of the main character, the main woman. She's the friend and they go to parties together and hang out. That's that's Aquafina. That's where I know her from. Crazy Rich Asians. So uh, this is what um, Aquafina sounds like. Where she's like coming at me and like thinking I'm going to swerve like a chicken. But you can't swerve. I'm not going to swerve, not for her. Gonna roll up to that wedding. You gonna be like, bok, bok, bok. So that that's the one. Not the that's the one. You're gonna roll up to that wedding. You're gonna be like, bop, bop, whatever. That's Aquafina. So she's a comedian as well, and she has been facing backlash on social media for appropriating black culture and using what's called. And I never heard this phrase before. But using what's called a black scent during her early rap career, I didn't even know she had a rap career, but during her early rap career and for her role as Paik Lin in that film, Crazy Rich Asians. And she was asked about this negative feedback that she's getting from people in the black community and elsewhere in a September interview with Reuters, and she said she was open to the conversation. So on Saturday, she opened the conversation herself by putting out a message on Twitter acknowledging how black culture has been, quote, stolen and exploited throughout history and added that as an immigrant, she carved much of her identity from her environment and hip-hop. Quote, in life, linguistic acculturation, immigrant acculturation, and the inevitable passage of globalized Internet slang all play a factor in the fine line between offense 
and pop culture. I will always listen to, excuse me, I will always listen and work tirelessly to understand the history and context of AAVE. Do you know what AAVE is? Don't feel bad if you don't, because I didn't either. It stands for African American Vernacular English. Now, to make it a little less technical, AAVE is basically the way they refer to how a lot of black people talk. Okay? African American Vernacular English. So they're saying this Asian woman, who's a comedian, a rapper, and an actress, is talking like a black person. Right? That's what they're saying. And so after she put out this statement, which was very conciliatory, which was very understanding to the uh, American black experience, she, well, some people did applaud her, but she was pilloried. They tore her apart. Uh, the This message was... <laughs> To say it was not well received on Twitter is like saying that the uh, the Titanic was not a pleasure cruise. Despite her statement um, that it was never her nature to mock or belittle others, she was killed. One woman writes, all these words and not one apology. Aquafina could have just said you were right. Let's see. You were right. I did use a black scent to make a name for myself, and that was wrong. I wholeheartedly apologize, and I'll do better from now on. Author George M. Johnson replied to her post with a photo of different apology phrases, writing, since you wasted all those words to say nothing. Two hours after that initial post and seeing all these posts these folks comment and demand that she apologize. She returned to Twitter to announce that she would be leaving Twitter. Quote, I am retiring from the ingrown toenail that is Twitter. And she subsequently suspended her Twitter account. So, couple of things here, and I'll invite you to comment at 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And I want to hear that again if I can, Matt. Um, one, do you think it's offensive or cultural appropriation or mocking or belittling for her to use a, quote, black scent or, uh, to use the technical term, A-A-V-E? That's question one. Where she's, like, coming at me and, like, thinking I'm going to swerve like a chicken. But you can't swerve. I'm not going to swerve. Not for her. Going to roll up to that way and you're going to be like, bok, bok, bok. So, one, is it offensive? If you're not black, is it offensive to speak like that? Two, do you buy her explanation, which is that she's an immigrant. Uh, this is the kind of the culture and the language and the Internet slang that she surrounded herself with. And that's how she kind of came to learn English. Um And three, what do you make of her decision to respond to this Twitter criticism by choosing to leave Twitter? 800-848-WABC. That is a rare three-part question. A question. Since before your sun burned hot in space and before your race was born, I have awaited a question. I am so 
over the peanut gallery criticizing others and trying to make others, just because they might be trying to make a living in the public eye, feel bad. You know, it's funny. I was listening to Curtis. And look, I don't mind it when Curtis insults me. But I'm listening to these losers call into Curtis bashing me for being fat or uh, bashing me for not taking enough, uh, not spending enough time talking about James K. Polk. And all, all I could think is these people and Juliet Huddy used to go through the same thing. Is these people, if they were to meet you in person, they would act like they're your best friend. And yet, through the anonymity of a telephone, of a radio telephone call, or even more so through a keyboard on Twitter, they have no qualms whatsoever about telling you exactly where to go. Why? Not to be constructive, but to be destructive. I am so over. This social media method of communication, which is basically just defined by people being mean to each other. And I don't know what you gain by tearing down somebody just because they're a politician or a celebrity. I look at the things that are said about certain politicians. I look at the things that are said about Donald Trump and Joe Biden. And you think, I mean, these are human beings. Uh, these are men with with wives and children and grandchildren. And does anybody think about that when they when they comment like this? So I really empathized with Aquafina because I, I I really not that I am you know a big star like she was, but I know what it's like to have all these critics um, bash you. Now I invite the criticism as you heard in the beginning of the show because one I think you have to have fun with it, and I don't think. Aquafina was able to do that. I think uh, she really was shaken by all this Twitter criticism of this uh, black scent that she was using. I don't think she should have to apologize. I think, um, look, I'm not black. Uh, it may come as a big surprise to you given the nature of my hair. But uh, I think that she, uh, you know, that's the way she speaks. That's the way she learned English. And uh, she's not in any way taking anything away from black people. I, I, I don't think so. I don't think there's anything wrong. I don't think she had anything to apologize for. And I think it's a shame that she felt that the best way to handle this was to withdraw and leave Twitter. What do you think? 800-848-WABC. Uh, it's 800-848-9222. And then I have to tell you this story about what became of the 20th hijacker on 9-11 because I was I was flipping out over this over the weekend. And I'll tell you about it in just a minute. Corey is in Brooklyn. Hello, Corey. Hello, Frank. May I be frank with you? Always. All right. Uh, I think it's a ridiculous double standard and... That's why I don't go on Twitter or any of that stuff. So I'm lucky I don't have to be involved in that. Um, but for someone like Eric Adams to use a word like that and people not to go crazy, and then for her to speak the way she just normally speaks, for her to be culturally appropriating or whatever you call it, 
Now, I've listened to Dr. Thomas Sewell uh, several times on the radio. Sewell? Yes. Okay, sorry. Um, And I thought he was a Jewish guy from Brooklyn, a white man, you know? Now, was he ultra uh, culturally appropriating white Jewish men? You know, it, it is a it is a great point, Corey. And look, black people get this the other way sometimes, too. You know, sometimes, you know, Joe Biden made the remarks about uh, Barack Obama. He sort of implied that he was the first clean African-American to run for president and basically, he implied that, um, you know, uh, that Biden, I, I don't want to misquote him here. Heaven forbid I get uh, I get canceled. But he described Obama. He said, I mean, you got the first mainstream African-American who's articulate and bright and clean and a nice looking guy. I mean, that's a storybook, man. That's what Biden said in 2007 of, of Barack Obama. A lot of people clung to that use of the word articulate as Biden trying to say of Obama, you don't sound black. And so I I get so sick of that, too, when people um, need to, I don't know, go after black folks for sounding too white. I've heard that criticism as well. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-WABC. Felicia is in Manhattan. Hello, Felicia. Hello, Frank. I just want to comment that I think Americans have lost their sense of humor and their sense of, uh, I don't know what. Well, I think you might anyone remember Amos and Andy and how we used to laugh at Amos and Andy and there was no racism there? Or how about good times? Uh, and, And I might agree with you, Felicia. I also think... Americans might have lost their ability to turn their radio off when they call talk radio programs. If you call the show, turn your radio off. That is the only thing I ask of you. I don't ask much. I don't. I really don't. Just turn your radio off. Because as good as this show is, it's not worth listening to on 20-second delay. 800-848-WABC. And poor, poor Alyssa, you're, you're jeopardizing her job by keeping your radio on here. We're gonna, I'm going to demand that she get docked because of you. You want to live with that on your conscience? I don't think so. 800-848-WABC. Elaine in Riverdale. Hello. Hi, Frank. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. Thank you, Elaine. Wonderful. I wanted to comment on the suicide of Miss USA, which is rather—sorry, <laughs> I have a bad allergy tonight— uh, you were discussing Aquafina, but the point is that Miss USA was also bullied, and it might have led to her just losing hope and deciding to take her life. Well, you and Aquafina must... did the right thing by getting off Twitter. There's too much bullying going on right now. You, I think on social you, I, media. I agree, Elaine. Look, if somebody gets to the point where they take their own life. I think it goes beyond Twitter criticism and beyond bullying. I mean, there's a lot of people that can be bullied and uh, or cyber bullied, whatever the case may be, and not kill themselves. In fact, almost everybody can and not kill themselves. But in the case of um, somebody that is suicidal, there ch- chances are there's a lot of other things going on there. And uh, I think we have to be careful not to draw the um, – a straight line just between 
social media criticism and suicide. By the way, you know, I I had this on my list for today, but I'm not going to get to it. There's a big debate over Kim Kardashian and her ex-husband, Kanye West. Um, And normally I don't care about that stuff. And, you know, I think people should be able to work out their marital difficulties in private. But that one, they've chosen to make it public and they've had it. They're in a big dispute over their daughter's social media use. And Kanye West is saying some of the same things that Elaine is saying there. We'll tell you about it. Uh, maybe tomorrow. 800-848-9222. Peter is in Pennsylvania. Hello, Peter. Hey, how you doing, Frank? Uh, you know, I'm about fed up with uh, all this uh, one-way stuff. You know, nobody criticized because she was the favorite candidate. Nobody criticized uh, Hillary Clinton with that, uh, I ain't no ways tired, you know? Well, people Remember did criticize that? her. People did criticize well, her. Well, you know, not the, not the you know, that, but, but, but she didn't suffer, you know, really any... Uh, uh, I, I didn't hear any mainstream, you know, criticism of her. I, I did. I did. And I, I think uh, that, along with many other things, it was one of the reasons that she didn't end up as the Democratic nominee in 2008. Chris is in Mount Vernon. Hello, Chris. Hey, Frank. I just want to talk about Aquafina. You know, I think she's great. She's awesome in everything she's in. And she's always had that accent. Well, that's how it's she learned like English. She, I'm just saying, it's not like she just turned it on for one movie or whatever. That's the way she's always talked. So what's the problem? You, you grow up talking. Listen, I, you hear my, my accent. I have like a New York accent. It's just the way I don't even hear it in my head, but I know I sound like that. It's the way I talk from where I grew up. That's the way it is. It's like, what's the problem here? There's a problem in everything these days. It's ridiculous. Uh, it's all uh, I, say. Chris, I love her. She's great. Chris, well, I, I don't know her work except for Crazy Rich Asians, but I liked her in Crazy Rich Asians. I think you're exactly right. Uh, I think there's no reason she should have apologized. I think there's no reason that she should have been uh, put in a position where she thought she had to leave Twitter. And who are these people? Where do these people get the onions to criticize her and demand that she apologize? Apologize to who? Apologize to you? No, you're not a representative of everybody that feels that their culture is being appropriated. You know, you don't like Aquafina. You don't like the way she speaks. Don't listen to her. Don't follow her career. Don't go see her movies. You're in no position, keyboard critic, to demand an apology from her at all. At all. Osai, Osai, excuse me, is in Scottsdale, Arizona. Hello, Osai. No, no, I'm in Scottsdale, New York. Oh, where's Scottsdale, New York? Where's that? Scottsdale. Scarsdale. Scarsdale. I'm sorry. Um, you got Alyssa was trained by Ryan. Forgive me. Mr. Sidney Poitier spoke like a proper black man. I want you to know that Nat King Cole spoke like a proper black man. Desmond Tutu, Nelson Mandela, have you heard them speak like proper black man? This way of speaking here of black people is not a proper black way of speaking by the majority of black people in the world. The way they are speaking is called street urchin talk. If you will come into any office in, any, in, in Accra, in, in Nairobi, anywhere, and talk like that, you will be thrown out for not talking properly, for being an uneducated street urchin. That is how they talk here, and they think this is the way a black person should talk. Absolutely not, and I disagree with it 100%. All right. Thank you, Osai. Eric is in Manhattan. Hello, Eric. Hold on. 
Frank, um, I like the uh, uh, who you do have the onions. See, the sleeping giant was waiting for for was hoping you'd say, oh, Aquafina said, ah, oh, blah blah blah, screw you all and goodbye. Okay, f off. You know, it, it is it's getting ridiculous. You know, uh, and you are the only person to bring up uh, Biden in the context of Joe Rogan, besides myself. You know what I mean? And how many years ago did I question the timing of that? Um, and then they insert Biden in there, and you're, you're after Joe Rogan? Joe Rogan's uh, a personality, um, commentary, et cetera. Joe, Joe Rogan's supposed to be responsible, you know, and with the creepiness and, and the racism. I mean, so it's a double standards, you know, it's basically that. It's, 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 it's ridiculous, you know? Well, thank so. you. Thank you, Eric. You know what? Speaking of uh, Joe Rogan and Joe Biden and Aquafina and Eric Adams, I, I'm going to launch a pledge, right? Okay, and uh, I'm going to formalize this in the coming days. I am going to launch a no offense pledge, right, where I'm going to ask people to sign up not to be offended. Now, I realize it's easy for me as a heterosexual, cisgender, white male, to not be offended by things. But I think once we all, as individuals and as a society, say, I'm not going to let the way Aquafina speaks or a word that Eric Adams uses or a, a 10-year-old clip of Joe Rogan or uh, Joe Biden's poor use of description of a word for uh, Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton laying it on a little thick with the way she speaks before a black crowd. Once I, I, I'm not going to let, I'm not going to allow any of these things to offend me or Whoopi Goldberg's sloppy language on the Holocaust. I'm going to sign a pledge that says I will not be offended. Think of how much more rewarding this country will be. We can spend our time having fun or working to solve real problems or just doing anything else but responding to the media-created outrage of the day because three people on Twitter are upset or offended and demanding an apology from somebody from something. Don't you ever get tired of it? Don't you? So join me and sign the I Will Not Be Offended pledge. 800-848-9222. That's one 800 848-WABC. Joe is calling from New York. Hello, Joe. Hi, Frank. I wanted to talk about Aquafina. I mean, with all this talk about Aquafina, I'm getting thirsty. Isn't that a water? Isn't that a water? Yeah, I I mentioned that. Yes. All right. That's it? Oh, my, Joe. That was a poor use. Jesus, Frank! That was a poor use of the minutes on your mobile phone. Uh, Jeff is also in New York. Hello, Jeff. Hi, Frank. Hey, uh, Mr. McIntyre used to have a name for this nonsense, and he was the uh, president of Cut It Out. I like that. I like that. Uh, I may and, I, I may appropriate that the way that uh, Aquafina is appropriating uh, the black scent. Yeah, talk to Mr. McIntyre. But the other thing is, there's, there's a name for that uh, that language she was speaking. And Chris Tucker made it up. It's called Blackanese. Blackanese. Does it have to be only from Asian people, or it's from anybody? Well, it was in the Jackie Chan movie, right? In uh, in um, Jackie uh, in uh, Russia. Russia. Yes, sir. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Eight hundred eight four eight WABC. Jimmy is on Staten Island. Hello, Jimmy. 
Hey, Frank. Um, as far as I'm concerned, I could give a flying fig with um, Eric Adams said, because he's, in my opinion, uh, when he s sat with the, the octogenarian in Manhattan the other day, which was a full nothing burger, just, I guess, photo ops. Uh, Biden is said, actually a septogenarian. <laughs> okay. But um, when he said, uh, Eric Adams, uh, at your service, sir, reporting for duty, if I got the chills up my spine and I have back surgery and I felt it so terrible, I said, this guy is saying he's the Joe Biden of Manhattan, of New of York. Brooklyn, of Brooklyn. Of Brooklyn. No, he did say New York, I believe. Oh, okay. Well, he started out okay. as the Biden of Brooklyn. Right. But either way, the biting of nothing, because he's not even the president of the White House, as far as I'm concerned. But look how you're talking like a shamanut that you're making everybody look. You're what? You talk one way and you act another. Then you act one way and you say another. There's no time for compromise here with what we just got rid of after eight years. So New York City, Manhattan and the state, the, the country is in such dire straits. And please forgive me, but don't. I just want to say that. Um, I am a devout Christian. I pray my heart out. And I know it is always darker before the dawn. But let me tell you something. I got my niece who's going to bring a baby into the world soon. God bless Carmine. 13 pounds. He beat my Uncle Juju. My Uncle Juju was 12 pounds. And that was a talk of the neighborhood. Yeah, he's actually he's only 12 pounds, Jimmy. Thank you. But congratulations to your niece. George is on Staten Island. Hello, George. Uh, hi, Frank. Uh, I'm, thanks for taking the call. I got so many things I want to talk to you about. All right, well, uh, do any of them involve turning your radio off, George? That's exactly what I'm talking about, yes. First of all, you need to des describe exactly what the difficulty is. Okay, I'm turning it off right now. Uh, okay, it's off. And that's a transistor radio, okay? So now, is it better now? Yes, thank you, yes. It sounds like it's off now. Yeah, because I just turned it off. Amazing. All right. So you need to you need to explain to people what the what the the concern is there. What's the irritation? Is it a, a, an echo effect of some kind, or how does that work? Well, okay, that's a fair question. Thank you, George. So the this radio broadcasts on a twenty to thirty second delay, right? So if you call the so that we can you know bleep out a curse word or if you you know feel compelled to say uh, Sid's a moron or something, right? So uh, the if you call in and you have the radio on, then we hear the show from thirty seconds ago. So it's out of sync. You hear you hear both the show in real time and the show from thirty seconds ago. It's enough to make you feel like you're you're drunk or a stroke victim. It's really the worst thing in the world. No offense to stroke victims. Don't be offended if you've had a stroke. Some of my best friends have had strokes. Will is in Newark. Hello, Will. Hello. You're talking to me now, right? I, I, I must be. You're the only one here. Okay. okay. Hey, I want to tell you first, you know all the pre the biggest prejudice comes from the news media when they're always describing the people as an African-American or English-American. If you're an American... And somebody asks you what you are, you should say, I'm an American. I got so-and-so ancestry. I, I agree with you. If you notice, uh, Will, you never hear me say that I'm Italian uh, because I, I wasn't born in Italy. 
I uh, I don't speak Italian, and the only country that I'm a citizen of is uh, is the United States, and uh, very very proudly. And uh, to your point, I am reminded of the words of Theodore Roosevelt, who talked about the dangers of being a hyphenated American. And he said there's no room in this country for hyphenated Americanism. And when I refer to hyphenated Americans, I don't refer to naturalized Americans. Some of the very best Americans I've ever known were naturalized Americans, Americans born abroad. But a hyphenated American is not an American at all. Uh, It's just as true of the man who puts native before the hyphen as the man who puts Germany, German or Irish or English or French before the hyphen. Americanism is a matter of the spirit and of the soul. Our allegiance must be purely the United States. We must unsparingly condemn any man who holds any other allegiance. He said that on Columbus Day in, I believe, 1915 or 1916. And I completely agree with the sentiment there. 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to Rosemary. Hello, Rosemary. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was quick. Thank you, Frank. Um, I I don't know if this is um, the area you're talking, but I think it is kind of. Bear with me. A few years ago, Roseanne Barr, she was barred from her show that she really created. It was a thinly veiled version of her life. Because of, um, do you remember that? Yes, yeah. She said something on the internet about Valerie Jarrett. Now, imagine the game changer. She said horrible things. Not very nice, and she blamed Ambien, and she blamed this and that. But imagine if um, Valerie Jarrett took the high road. She was, I believe, special assistant to the Obamas, very high up. Imagine if she said, let's talk. I forgive you. You know, you shouldn't lose your show. Because on that show, if I recall, I watched it on and off. It was quite funny sometimes. It was on for a long time, still in reruns. So imagine if she said, let's talk, let's sit down, and what do you mean, and I forgive you. Well, back to um, on the show, Roseanne created gay characters that were serious. She had people of different races on her show. She tried to incorporate a lot of, this was the early 90s, I believe, that uh, I incorporate a lot of characters that weren't seen, you know, in the mainstream before. So I just wanted to say that, that I don't feel bad for her. I mean, she's a rich woman, but imagine if she just said, yeah, I forgive you. Well, I, I agree with you. I, I agree with you. That's why I'm so willing to forgive Eric Adams. As again, I'm not a cracker police officer, but I'm guessing I'm the kind of person that the people in that room would have referred to as a cracker. Um, I'm over it, over it. And uh, the next time somebody says something dopey, I hope I'm going to be just as quick to forgive them. And I don't want to be called uh, a name because I'm forgiving whoever the next person to say something racially insensitive might be. Or it doesn't even have to be racial. Maybe it's gender. Uh, maybe it's not gender. Maybe it's uh, historical. Whatever the case may be. Uh, I am forgiving Eric Adams, and I want that same magnanimity to a, be applied to everybody else. Hey, uh, we're going to give you an opportunity to win $1,000 in just a minute. Be the seventh caller right now. 
to 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And if you can answer 10 trivia questions in 60 seconds, you will be the proud recipient of $1,000 American. So uh, you can go ahead and call right now. We'll do the $1,000 Minute straight ahead. WABC. I guess I had to go to that place to get to this one. Now, some of you might still be in that place. If you're trying to get out, just follow me. You can try and read my lyrics off of this paper before I land. That is Eminem, a white rapper who is going to be one of the people performing at the Super Bowl halftime show. You know, Eminem's clearly a strange guy. I mean, he's got some issues. I, I, he's acknowledged them. I'm not picking on him. I'm not making fun of him. I'm not calling him a name. He, you know, he's dealt with some issues, clearly. And a lot of his music is, you know, is very rough. But a lot of his music is great, I have to tell you. Not only the lyrics, but the uh, the music themselves. And he, that picture that he did, that, with that semi-autobiographical picture with Kim Basinger, 8 Mile, that picture is great. That is absolutely terrific. And I'm not by any means the target demo for a picture like that. Uh, Brittany Murphy, before she died, she was, I think, the female lead in it. And um, it's funny... That uh, there's a scene in that picture. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil too much of you. Where uh, Eminem is in a sort of a battle of wits with another hip hop artist, and Eminem decides to say everything negative about himself to the public, because once you do that, what else can you do? And you know what? I gave Curtis Sliwa a lot of credit for that. Years ago, when some of his hoaxes that he staged got uh, exposed, he came clean and just says, yep, I did all six of these things. I made them up. And what else can you say at that point? And when I started at this radio station for this most recent incarnation, I started on the week. Well, first of all, I started filling in for Bernie and Sid, but then I was on on the weekend on Sunday. And you know what I did the very first show? I listed, I named every single negative thing that I've ever done. That anything that you can find negative about me on Google or in court documents or elsewhere, I name them all. Because I don't need somebody calling up and say, oh, Frank, I, I know you did this. I don't, you did that? Okay, yeah, okay. And what? Now let's talk about something real. And there is nothing more realistic than $1,000 cash. And right now, we're going to try and give some away. It's time for... The Other Side of Midnight presents... It's the $1,000 Minute. Answer 10 questions correctly in one minute, and you could win $1,000. Here's your host, Frank Moreau. Thank you, Chris Libertini. Let's meet today's contestant, Bill in Manhattan. Hello there, Bill. Hi, how are you, Frank? I am doing uh, just great. Not as good as you'll be if you're $1,000 richer 60 seconds from now. Am I right? That is serious money, Frank. Are you familiar with this uh, contest, Bill? 
Well, you're going to ask me ten questions of trivia, and I've got to get them all, or yes. I can get some. I'm no. not sure. Yeah, so if you no. get eight, we will give you $100. If you get nine, we will give you 250 And if you get all ten, we'll give you 1000 If you answer a question correctly, we're going to go through these quickly. So if you answer a question correctly, then I'm just going to move on to the next question. I'm not going to say, oh, congratulations, Bill, great job, because we want to be make sure we can answer all these in short order, okay? All right, I'm ready. Okay, the timer's going to begin after I answer the first, ask you the first question. You ready to go? Go, yes. Okay, what is frozen water called? Ice. What superhero is disguised as mild-mannered reporter Clark Kent? Superman. What is the capital of Italy? Rome. What New York politician had a tape surface of him using the word cracker to refer to white cops? Uh, that's Mayor Adams. Name one of the two teams playing in this year's Super Bowl. Oh, dear. Um, uh, oh, I don't know about uh, uh, football. Uh, let's say Broncos. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It is the uh, Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams, Bill. You got me. You got me. You got me, Frank. I'm sorry, Bill. Bill, I'm going to put you on I hold. Hate- well, I'm sorry. Bill, I, I, you sound familiar. Do I know you? I don't think so. And, you know, um, I, I've never, you know, I've never been in those uh, Bill Murray situations. Or anything yeah, like that. I bet. And this is not actually Bill Murray, is it? Uh, no, no. No. OK. Uh, no. All right. Bill, I'm going to put you on hold. And um, and Alyssa is going to take your name and contact information. And we're going to try and send you a consolation prize. But uh Bill got four questions correct, and uh, he could not name the either of the two teams that are in the Super Bowl, which is an important media event as well. Now, uh, we're going to read your emails tomorrow, frank.morano at wabcradio.com. That's frank.morano at wabcradio.com. You can also send us some snail mail. It won't arrive by tomorrow, but it will arrive in, um, you know, it will arrive in due time. If you want to send snail mail, just send to uh, P.O. Box uh, 1777, New York, New York, 10163. Send it to my attention, though, Frank Moreno. P.O. Box 1777, New York, New York, 10163. Now, let me tell you two names that you may not know. Um, well, Michael Smirkanish is one of my favorite pundits. He's on TV, he's on radio, and uh, he may join me this week. We had a nice email exchange yesterday, and we're currently trying to negotiate the hours. He's not able to stay up this late, so we may pre-tape an interview with him. But he wrote a book years ago called Instinct about a man named Jose Melendez Perez. Jose Melendez Perez worked for the Customs and Border Patrol. And uh, Jose Melendez Perez encountered someone in the year 2001, Muhammad al Qatani. And there was just something about Muhammad al Qatani that didn't sit right with him. And it was less evidence. And more about the look in Mohammed El Katani's eyes, and Ho- and Jose Melendez Perez, he it, 
didn't like a lot of what was going on here. He didn't like that Mohammed Al-Qahtani was coming into the country from Saudi Arabia with a one-way ticket. Didn't like his explanation of where he was going. But more than anything, it was the look in his eyes. Mohammed Al-Qahtani had a look that said to Jose Melendez Perez, I could kill you. Didn't say it, but he had a look that said it. So Jose Melendez Perez, and this is what Michael Smirconish's book, Instinct, is all about. Uh, the man who stopped. Uh, so um, they, they, he sends this guy back to Saudi Arabia. Okay, then we all know what happens. The September 11th attacks occur. Four airplanes are hijacked. Three of the airplanes have five hijackers. One, the one that the passengers took down in Pennsylvania, had only four. Then, what happens? The war in Afghanistan. uh, We all remember the history there. They find this guy, Mohammed al-Qahtani, in Tora Bora, fighting with al-Qaeda, on behalf of al-Qaeda. This very same guy... That Jose turned away, and I'm going to get into this with Smirconish if he comes on the show this week. But this very same guy that Jose turned away from the United States and sent back to Saudi Arabia ended up in Afghanistan fighting against the American military. What happens? He's captured. Where does he go? Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. And so um, he's tortured. He's interrogated by American interrogators at Guantanamo Bay. And through him, they learn of a certain courier, which eventually enables the United States to determine where Osama bin Laden is located. So follow me here. And they learn this guy was supposed to be the 20th hijacker on 9-11. Had Jose let him into this country, he would have been on that flight that, that crashed in Shanksville. And who knows, if they had a fifth person on that flight, like the other three flights, this guy, uh, Mohammed Al-Qahtani, might have prohibited the passengers from overtaking that flight. That's why Jose really is one of these American heroes that you've never heard of. I mean, have you ever heard his name? And yet, this guy was a hero, is a hero. Still alive. He's retired now. Jose Melendez Perez, an American hero that you've probably never heard of. So anyway, this fella, Mohammed Al-Qahtani, has been in Gitmo for years. And he was, according to experts, already suffering from severe mental illness when he arrived at Gitmo 20 years ago according to his lawyers as well. And his interrogators then subjected him to extensive solitary confinement, sleep deprivation, violence, sexual humiliation, and other abuses, according to uh, an article on his treatment in 2005. Now, U.S. military and intelligence officials suspected that Katani, who developed schizophrenia after suffering a traumatic brain injury, um that they, they're they pretty convinced that this guy was going to be the 20th hijacker. He was in his 20s. He attempted to get into the country August 4th, 2001. 
Um, he was selected by al-Qaeda to be the 20th hijacker on 9-11. He traveled to Afghanistan where he was captured. Um, it looks like he was tortured. And a psychiatrist who evaluated him five years ago found that Katani suffered at Guantanamo, the, the, the experience at Guantanamo had exacerbated the effects of his mental illness and led to post-traumatic stress disorder and advised that he could not receive successful treatment at Guantanamo. So why are we talking about this? Why is this news? Because on Saturday, or Friday night, Saturday morning, the news broke that a panel composed of the major U.S. national security agencies recommended the transfer of this detainee, Mohammed Al-Qahtani, to Saudi Arabia. This panel recommended that he be repatriated to Saudi Arabia for participation in an extremist rehabilitation program. Now, I get that this guy is mentally ill. However, I cannot believe that we are going to send him out of American hands when this guy was going to be the 20th hijacker on the worst at the, on the worst terrorist event in my lifetime. I can't believe this. Uh, if he can't be treated at Guantanamo, then you figure something else out. I don't want him being sent to Saudi Arabia. Think of the message, and I, I'm, I know that I'm oversimplifying that, and I'm doing it in part because of the constraints of time here. Maybe we'll get into this more tomorrow or when Smirkanish comes on, if he comes on later in the week. But think of the message we are sending to every would-be terrorist in the world that you can participate in a terrorist plot against America. And if we're convinced that you're schizophrenic and can't be treated where you're being held, you'll get repatriated back to your country? I I think that's a horrible precedent to set. Now, again, I'm not all about torturing people either. And that's part of the reason why he can't stand trial, because of what would come out in discovery. But I don't know about you, and I linked to the article on Facebook on Saturday, and you can read it, facebook.com slash fan. I don't know about you, but to think that we would send the 20th hijacker back to Saudi Arabia? I'm sorry, uh, but that's unacceptable. And the president ought to step in. Congress ought to step in. And and you, the American public, should be as vocal, in my opinion, you should be as vocal on this issue as you are about Whoopi Goldberg. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what Whoopi Goldberg says or what Joe Rogan says. That's Bill Murray's favorite phrase. None of it matters, right? It doesn't matter. This matters. The fact that we are about to send a terrorist back to the Middle East. I don't care if he's schizophrenic. Uh, This is not not something that I want to be doing. All right. uh, We're going to do 15 seconds of fame in just a minute. 
uh, 800-848-WABC, but Diane has been patiently holding. Hello, Diane. All right, Diane has other priorities. All right, uh, we're going to give you an opportunity to be heard for 15 seconds, 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-WABC. This is Alyssa's first 15 seconds of fame, uh, and I realize that's like uh, throwing chum in an ocean full of 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 hungry sharks for some of you. All I ask is give her a break, okay? Give her a break, and give me a break. 800-848-9222 if you want to be heard for 15 seconds. Straight ahead. Start your morning with Frank Morano on 77 WABC. Great. Curtis Lewa doesn't know what he's talking about. If uh, if you're just waking up now, Curtis is on Sunday nights into Monday morning, and he had me on, and he has his own version of The Other Side of Midnight. And he was mocking this version, which was painstakingly put, to, put together for us by none other than Andy on Staten Island. I, I view it as a real labor of love. I think it's a nice, nice version of this song. I think it's very nice. All right, without further ado, it is time for you to be heard. You know, years ago, Andy Warhol said that uh, in the future, everybody would be famous for 15 minutes. Well, he was wrong. But everybody will be famous for 15 seconds because it's time for... The Other Side of Midnight. This is 15 Seconds of Fame. Kathy is in Brooklyn. Hello, Kathy. Good morning, Frank. I just want to say there's a double standard going on in the uh, Adams calls white tops crackers. That's fine and dandy. He apologizes. It's all okay. We're going to hell in a handbasket. Jim is in the Bronx. Hey, listen, I know you guys make a lot of money off him, but somebody's got to tell this uh, Dr. Gil Lederman how to write a commercial. I mean, what's this talking about himself in the third person all the time? And he's a squirrely character. Just ask uh, George Harrison's widow. Evan on Staten Island. Our government is weak, but our people are not. You had 10 more seconds there, Evan. 800-848-9222. Four open lines if you want to jump on board. Neil on Staten Island. When the mayor met the president last week and he looked at the camera and said, Eric Adams reporting for duty, it was at that moment that I realized the man is a total imbecile. 800-848-WABC. Fred on Long Island. Fred going once. All right. 800-848-9222. Karen in Rockland County. I like your denunciation, enunciation segment. And that story you told about uh, the Moroccan boy that shows the best in humanity. That's true. 800-848-WABC. Raul is in New Jersey. 
Yeah, what happened to Ray Raimondi, who used to uh, deliver the news on WABC? And by the way, some in the ball uh, interviewed a chat roundtable John did with uh, the patriot uh, Patrick J. Buchanan. Uh, th- it's nice to hear from him again. Thank you, Raul. Yes, I, I actually uh, emailed Pat about that interview. It was quite good. If you didn't hear uh, John Katzmatidi's interview with Pat Buchanan, it's available on WABCRadio.com or at CatsRoundtable.com. 800-848-9222. Tony is in Connecticut. Read the Gene Mean Gene. Mean Gene is a dancing machine. Mean Gene went to jail. Mean Gene is the dancing machine. Well, wonderful. I hope your life is more fulfilled. All right, that's about slams the lid on things for today. Uh, but to answer Ralph's question, the uh, Ray Ramundi used to work here. He was the assistant news director. I think he went to work for Con Ed in their public affairs department or some similar public authority. And I'll tell you what, he borrowed a book from me before he before he left, and I gave it to him maybe about six months before he left. He has not yet returned that book, not yet returned, and I haven't given him a hard time. And even I knew he had it at the time that he left because he made a point of mentioning that he hadn't read it yet. And I still have not gotten that book yet. So if you know Ray Ramundi, if you are Ray Ramundi, maybe you think about returning that book. Hey, uh, at 6 o'clock, the Bernie and Sid show gets started, an action-packed show featuring Rich Lowry and Dr. Mark Siegel. But first, your daily dose of news and information, the most informative 60 minutes in all of radio, the 77 WABC Early News with Deb Valentine is coming up next. I'll be back at 1 a.m. with uh, an action-packed panel of guests. Until then, Frank Moreno, good day. Nerdly, a.k.a. James Golden. Detective Mora volunteered his organs after death so that he can continue to help his fellow human beings. Our men in blue, these two men and the women that serve on this